Yes, 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 y'all. How's it going? Um, we are back doing another podcast because it's what we enjoy doing. I like chatting a bit of shit with my mate Scott. Hello. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. Hi. We're here back again. We are on Hindsight 2020 WWE One Night Stand 2007 now. What did you call it? What did you call it then, say, mate? So just read out the title again of the actual the show that we're just about to review, if you like. I know. So this is a bit of a change of pace. Yeah. This is WWE One, One Night, Night Stand, Stand. Yeah. 2007. And as we get into the show and the reviewing, you'll see that is very much what the case is. This is WWE one night stand. ECW seems to be a long forgotten memory. Even though, well, it was only a year ago, a good facsimile of um, recreating it. Yeah, only. Now, w- not so much. Like, you did say before we kicked off today that, you know, I always say I don't like being one of them negative, snarky wrestling fans who just slags everything off. So, are no, we going to try to be positive as- in our assessments here? I mean, as as positive as we can be. I'm glad we got the cat out of the bag straight away by sort of mentioning that this show was definitely not an ECW show by any by any respects. There was obviously people from ECW there, mm-hmm. and that's more or less about it. There was stipulation matches. You know, there were extreme rules, as you say. This is it. This is the first. This is the first extreme rules, if you like. Obviously, yeah. we're, we're extreme rules is is tonight as we speak. Yeah, 2019. But this is the very first, if you like... Extreme rules, extreme really, rules. because this is not, by any stretch of the imagination, close to what ECW was. Now, 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 they had some barbed wire and some, some tables and chairs, like, fucking super glued to the set. So, is that not the same thing? Mm, I mean, they, <laughs> they, they kind of had a mock-up of the old ECW set in at the at the beginning of the... Uh, the lack of the entry, uh, the uh, the, uh, the, entrance. the entrance. But yeah. other than that, the entire set is a WWE set. That yeah, yeah, it for is. It's... SmackDown or Raw, or any other WWE pay per view. The arena is now huge. Um, compared mm, to... depends what you mean by huge, but like it's not the buildings that ECW used to run. No, it's a Obviously, stadium. It's um, an arena. Yeah, it's an arena, not a not a room. Yeah, which not a theater. I think, well, well, a bingo hall, if you like, you know, that's yeah. what they call it, or a ball, ballroom. They ran like ballroom, Hammerstein ballroom, for example, that was a yeah. ballroom, but that had a very specific feel to it, didn't it? Like we've, we've, it had, we've talked about this in the past. It, I mean, we talked, we took on, touch on this on the last ones. It, at least the one night stands previous, the two thousand and six, uh, two thousand five, two thousand six ones were at least a homage to ECW, if you like. Uh-huh. It at least felt a little bit like an ECW night. I think. In terms of the crowd and what they were going for, the 2005 one was closer towards a homage to ECW than the 2006 one. The mm-hmm. 2006 one on board there, like we mentioned in that uh, show that we did, there was a lot more WWE fans 
typical WDB fans creeping in, mm-hmm. and this one seemed like an almost entirely WWE audience. It was all well, yes, yeah, sorry, audience-wise, it very much was, but like the show, they'd never presented it as an ECW pay-per-view at all, did they? But there were ECW matches, and then there were WWE matches, because obviously by this point, ECW is the third brand, if you like, isn't it? Yeah. By this point. So did you notice some of the matches... Oh, they were at least trying... Due, due to the commentators that they had, and even what the refs were wearing were different. Did you notice that? Yeah, they were, yeah very, very slightly. Yeah, yeah. So Difference. you had the, for, for the ECW, in air quotes, matches, Yeah. you had the refs in black. Yep. Whereas for the other matches, you had the refs in in blue. I don't remember seeing a, 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 um, any in the classic... Black and white Black stripe. and white stripe. No. But you had, like, SmackDown refs in blue. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I did notice that, and I think that is all of that is very superficial level stuff. That yeah. I think, which is basically, is about as far as WWE could get towards the ECW brand. It was all really superficial. Mm-hmm. You know, the heart's completely gone by this point. The most majority of the wrestlers have gone by this point, apart from odd appearances or contracts that they've agreed to that they probably just did for the money. Um, and the whole heart, I think, of ECW by this point it seems to have completely vanished. Yeah, you're probably you're probably right in saying that. You're probably right in saying that, mate. Like the attendance, for example, is bigger, but at the detriment of the products. Yeah, you, we, we're probably we're probably going to have to say like the attendance is seven thousand. What's the attendance in the Hamstein Ball? I think it was two and a half. Two and a half thousand. Two and a half yeah. thousand. So uh, yeah, that's nearly treble the. Um, Attendance, yep. But like what, a tenth of the atmosphere? If that, if that, it's no one. It's a completely different atmosphere as well. It's, yeah, it's it's a com. It's it's basically a standard raw SmackDown atmosphere of a very a big mix of people, families, uh, some younger, some older. Not overly rowdy. Not overly mm-hmm. passionate. Just there watching wrestling, having a good old time, having a night, a night, a night out. Not the r- rabid, not the rabid, really passionate ECW is my life sort of guys. Who, that you to saw be honest, there. a lot, a lot of them fans are pricks. Like, yeah, to be fair, I mean, I wouldn't want to. There's a lot of those fans that you wouldn't want to really hang around with by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but they do certainly bring an atmosphere to a room. Yeah, for wrestling. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a tense atmosphere after time. Yeah, very. What, what, what the fuck is this, this idiot going to do next? Indeed, yeah, an, an intense, almost Neanderthalic sort of uh, brutish atmosphere. I thought the ECW fans used to bring, but lo and behold, all of that's gone. All of that fun stuff is a peeled away, vanished. In the modern day, do you mean, or or here? Here, I think they, I think those fans are definitely somewhere. But they're not in this room watching One Night Stand 2007. No, they're probably no. watching CZW at this point, or you know, maybe Ring of Honor and some other you know sort of indie hardcore feds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can move on. We can't. We don't have to divulge on that topic too much more. No, I think if we, right? I think if we go down that rabbit hole, we'll be you know talking about some fucking uh, backyard wrestling federation from bloody Louisville or somewhere like that that really has the hardcore fans at its at its core. You know, if we go down that habit hole. Oh, let us know. Anybody out there who follows us. Um, yeah, yeah. At Fab Heel Nerds on Twitter. Where where have all the knobhead fans gone? Where have all the knobhead fans gone? We love them so much, though. We call them <laughs> knobhead fans, but we love them so much because they did make ECW what it was. Yeah. Um, 
should we get right into the show? Yeah, want to talk why about a bit about maybe how what we've been getting into between the last show and this show. Um, I think the last soiree into ECW has kind of rubbed off on me a bit, and I've been getting into bare knuckle boxing. <laughs> Not doing it, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Watching it. You get get getting into do. Uh, Tear up in a car park, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been getting into watching Bernacle boxing recently. Uh, I've, uh, I mean, I'm a big, massive combat sports fan guy. Could you just switch the light on there, mate? Like, Jesus we're, Christ. We're, 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 we're doing fine. We're doing fine. We're just losing a little bit of light here. I want to see your beautiful face. Just to let everyone listening know, it is still daylight outside. Nick is just old as fuck. Kiss me ass. Right. No, as you know, I'm a big, um, I'm a big combat sports guy um you know i'll probably love combat sports maybe not quite as much as wrestling but it's it's up there yeah like like you've always had a passing interest in like mma uh, i dip in and out, i dip in and out of it i like it but i think a passing interest probably is a little bit uh a bit a little of a bit of an understatement but to say that i followed it would be a bit of an overstatement. You, you enjoyed watching it. I enjoy watching it a lot. I enjoy what's, watching a lot. What's caught your attention about bare knuckle, mate? Because it's a big con. It's a it's it's a talking point in the world of combat sports. Um, some people like it. Some people hate it. Yeah, I like, can see why. Uh, on a lot of a lot of, a lot of fighters don't like it. Some fighters think it's a great place for basically people who may have possibly been in the UFC to still make a good living, still get paid. Yeah, ex-boxers and stuff as well. Well, a lot of it, a lot of ex-MMA, well, pro- MMA fighters, ex-UFC fighters who probably used to have relatively big contracts, now fight, um, now, now fight bare knuckle. The two main promotions you got B- BKB in the UK, and then you got BKFC in the states. And there's another one which Bass Rutan used to uh, champion, who I forget what they're called. They've had a bit of controversy with um, like not not paying fighters and stuff. But yeah, um, I mean. When you really peel back the curtain on bare knuckle, you can see why a lot of people don't enjoy it. Because even in the short time that I've been getting into it, I've heard a lot of things, like um, for B- from BKFC, for example, recently, their um, sort of CEO or president or representative or owner, I should probably say, they're Vince, they're Vince McMahon. <laughs> I forget, Basically, I forget his name, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I, I know, I know the fellow that you mean. Yeah, he's he's not a guy worth remembering. He's not a nice guy. He came out after a fight once. Um, recently and told the crowd that entertainment is what they thrived and told their their box their fighters that that's what they required from them that's what they gave their fans he didn't think a certain boxer uh in that fight gave it his all so he was halving his paycheck just decided on the spot i yeah i did hear that i'm not too sure if he ended up doing that or not but like that is some fucking bullshit i mean like are you in there fighting for your life mate yeah exactly and as you know, I think I was watching something with Joe Rogan, fully enough, who was talking about this. Who said that's not the way fighting works. You just don't go no. fucking hell for leather. No. You're on the outside. You're, you're anticipating what your opponent's going to do, and then especially a situation because otherwise you're going to get knocked out, mate. Yeah, and in, and in, <laughs> and I imagine, especially in a situation like this where it's bare knuckle and it's fucking dangerous, you're not just going to go swinging in there with your fucking head hanging out, are you? A lot, but the thing is, though, you watch a lot of bare knuckle. Some fights are like that, and those are the fights. Like, who who are bare knuckle fans? Are they? I reckon a lot of them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I watch it myself. I enjoy it myself. I watch most combat sports. A lot of people are just there baying for blood. Yeah, I think it's the people who watched the original UFC back when that was bare knuckle. And don't get me wrong, I watch that myself yeah. as well. 
is is the brutality of it is what is what's drawing you towards it or partly yeah i mean i like the combat of it because i like ufc i like watching muay thai um, I like watch, watching normal boxing. I always have. I like the. Sp- I've never spoke about boxing with you once. I don't think. No, but I've always liked watching it. You know, right. I've always watched. I've always, you know, big c- fights. You'll watch. Yeah. yeah, big fights. I'll watch. You know, I'm not the. I'm sort of you know the wrestling fan that only watches WrestleManias. You're like that for boxing. I'm like that for boxing. Yeah, Fair and I, but I do enjoy it. Like, yeah, yeah. and I can sit down and I can watch a boxing match, and I like the sport of it. I appreciate the sport of it, but there's something about bare knuckle that just like, is very primitive. In a way, it's so brutal, and you know, I find that enthralling. Some people might, think. like I say, the same way that you'll watch CZW. Yeah, the same way I'll watch CZW. You know, um, sometimes uh, it goes a bit far away. You just, it's hard to watch, and you're like, "Holy shit, that's fucking awful." Watch the um, Artem Lobov versus Jason Knight fight. Uh, you can watch that on YouTube. Yeah, what? What? Pl- watch that fight, man. Free plug there. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's the brutality of it. It's in it's in a weird way. It, it sounds like we're getting off subject, but we're getting way off subject. But like, but it's the same. I love talking about this shit. In a in a way, it is getting off subject, but in a way, it's not because it's the same thing that draws me to hardcore wrestling. Is I do like the kind of brutality of it, the holy mm. shit moments, the like, the 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 absolute like just carnage of it. I really enjoy, mm. you know. And there's something about there's something really interesting and enthralling about the mentality. Of people who do that, it is you know? different in a way though because they're not, they're not working against each other; they're legitimately trying to hurt each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's that's the difference. Yeah, exactly. So they're not. It's it's you know it's. But about the story that they tell, I mean, like they can engineer the uh, production and the way that the show is presented in a very specific way. Yeah, indeed. Like, um, the they make it seem brutal in the in the packaging with the, uh, but the thing is with um with combat sports as well it's something that they're doing a lot more now is make engineering it so it's the storyline which grabs you yeah like you talked about um you just got onto Benuckle recently yeah and um you mentioned that fella uh, Sam Shoemaker yeah, I loved Sam Shoemaker. So fucking brute. That's a story. That, that's the whole story behind that. Have you have you watched um, the thing on YouTube about him about how how about he came how he came into it? Or have you just seen a couple of his fights? Seen a couple of his fights. Seen a couple of his interviews. Like he like the, with with BKFC. Basically, they had like a big um, what's it what's it called now? So basically, they just put like an ad, ad an ad out there, and if anybody wants to come and fight, you can kind of sign up. And he was one of those, and they put the story behind it, and they told his story and how he was he was a dock worker or something his entire life, and um, they're, they're marketing him as a the, the the mountain man. He's got a big grizzly beard. He's from fucking bumfuck USA somewhere, some backward town you've never heard of. And his whole marketing not meaning to offend anyone from bumfuck USA there, by the way. I don't know if that's I don't I doubt that's a real town, mate. <laughs> okay, but the, 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 they're marketing him as as, as the everyman. Aren't they? And it's the storytelling there, which is um, that's what they're selling. Yeah, that's probably what's drawn me to him. Yeah, you know, unbeknownst to me, I just like I like this guy. He seems down to earth. When I, the interviews I've seen him, and he's not one of those like cocky bastards who chats loads and loads of shit. Mm-hmm. He just talks about what he's gonna do. He talk, not in a sort of you know pro wrestling. I'm gonna rip your head off sort of ways. Which just, is the way a lot of MMA is going at the yeah, moment. Yeah, it is because um, it's the whole spectacle of it. It's the whole showmanship of it. Um, which I don't mind. I like. I quite like a lot of it, but I like the fact that he's quite down to earth. That's what draws me to him. With with MMA and uh, combat sports, 
it, it, it's very much gone that way. Uh, you can get these very down-to-earth people who would be like your bloody... Well, not him currently, but like your Daniel Bryan when he first started, for example. Yeah. He was your everyman. That was why you fell in love with Daniel Bryan, is because he was your everyman. But then you've got you've got some some of the best heels out there are MMA fighters. Yeah. Do you know who Colby Covington is? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Like he's got his whole, he wears fucking MAGA hats. Yeah. He's, uh, like he's he's like a, even though he's the interim champion, he's like yeah I'm 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 the real champion. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take my belt to the White House and put it on Donald Trump's desk and all this shit. He's like Colby Covington is one of the best heels out there. Yeah, and I think that I think that sort of realism in combat sports is something that pro wrestling fans will mostly always be drawn to because at the end of the day as a pro wrestling fan you're watching it and even though you know it's um storylined and you know that it's guys working together rather than just trying to kill each other you when they're doing that when they're working you you the thing you're thriving for is like make me believe you know when they when they're promoing against each other and they hate each other you're like make me fucking believe that you hate each other that's what you want when you're in a match is that make me believe that you want to absolutely batter each other and put on a good show mm-hmm. in a lot of respects yeah. for that kind of wrestling anyway hardcore wrestling i mean and um i think that just that's what draws me to it and just segueing back to the show here <laughs> which we probably should but which we probably show i think that is what's lost with the WWE. in this in this show in this think? show but that doesn't mean to say that there wasn't some good matches. We'll no, st- no, not at all. I mean, like, we're not just entirely slagging. I mean, are we going to start from the... Um... Start from the top. We can't start the... with a dark match because uh, it wasn't televised. Well, we didn't fucking see it. Yeah, because it was dark match. They didn't have the lights off. A dark match for you novices out there means a, a match that was put on for the live audience only and wasn't broadcast. You novices out there. Are, yeah. you, uh, are, you, are, you, are you a non-novice then, mate? Uh, I would say I'm teetering between a novice and an expert. Somewhere, in, in, somewhere in, in, in what? Life. In life. <laughs> I'm somewhere between... When it, comes to wrest- when it comes to wrestling, I'm somewhere... Talk, talking about wrestling. You're an intermediate about talking about yeah, wrestling. Yeah, I'm somewhere between a complete novice and an expert. Somewhere right in the middle. So, right, yo, so you're like, yeah. bloke off the street, Scott, like, Jim Ross. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in there, yeah. Bloke off the street who's never watched a match. This is his first ever WrestleMania. Uh, the other end of the spectrum is like a Jim Ross, a Jim Cornette, a Bret Hart sat around a table talking about the ins and outs of uh, working a match. You're somewhere in the middle there. And then somewhere between those two guys. Me and you. That's me, yeah. And you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, the first match on the card was Rob Van Dam against Randy Orton in a... A stretcher match. Stretcher match, which mm. Mm, stipulations right... Off the bat, for lack of a better phrase, 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 fromage, fromage, phrase. <laughs> uh, for lack of a better fromage phrase, uh, a stipulation match straight away. Rob Van Dam versus Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. Now, well, the, they're all stipulation matches on this card, aren't they? Yeah, all of them are stipulation. They're all gimmick extreme matches, rules. if you like. Yeah, all extreme rules. <laughs> and um, this match, I thought was really good. It was. This it was. was right before they crowned Randy Orton WWE champion. Mm-hmm. Um, this was sort of when he was really peaking up to become that sort of main, like main event, main card guy. This is like maybe about a, a, li- a year or so, roughly into yeah. his legend killer shit, wasn't it? Yeah. So this is like probably just a bit before his prime, but he's after he's, Evolution, isn't it? After Evolution, yeah, it's a bit before his prime, but he's extremely good. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's probably not as good as he did get, but he's extremely good in his promos and his persona, mm-hmm. in his wrestling. He is fantastic against Rob Van Dam, who is obviously an ECW legend mm-hmm. working for WWE at the time, and they put on one hell of a match. There's some absolutely insane spots. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was really, really good and well worked. They told a really good story in it. The concussion, they were telling the concussion thing throughout the entire yeah. thing, weren't they? So like, the idea was that, I'm, I'm, I'm obvious, well, I say obviously, I am assuming kayfabe concussion. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I mean, Ben Moore's still on this show, so it might not have been con- kayfabe concussion. Maybe they're just working it in. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's ve- that is ve- that actually is very possible, isn't it? Quite possible. I hope not. I mean, I, this was 13... 13- Sorry, 12 years ago, but I hope not. Yeah, you hope not, but... But um, but whatever. Well, maybe he was maybe he was fucking high, stoned, or maybe he was just really good at selling it, or maybe he was concussed, but he sold the concussion which he got, at, uh, I think, at a previous Raw. Like, that was the thing that he sold throughout the whole match. Like, he was... He had this kind of, like... Um, Far away looking. Far eyes. away looking his eyes throughout the yeah. entire thing, like when he was selling, and it really worked. It really worked for me, and it like it told the story really well. Um, he, I mean, he started off. He started the match off pretty hard himself. Like RVD was getting his shit in dead early with his obviously his brutal like um, martial arts kicks, where he he proper kicked you, didn't he? He proper yeah. kicked you. And um, but like I, this was actually a cracking a cracking match. To, start off the show won it really yeah really really i think it was it was incredible i think the stipulation sort of ruined it in a lot of ways uh-huh. i think if they just had a straight up hardcore like not even hardcore but just, well straight... they, they weren't had there was no such thing as a fucking hardcore match in ecw yeah it was just a match yeah just a you know and then shit happened they yeah. just allowed shit to I happen think <laughs> if they just had a straight up match like that it would have been perfect if i think if this because the thing is, is the wrestling in it, and the moves in it, and the way they told the story, uh, Rob Van Dam and Randy Orton was fucking spectacular. I think if they'd just been able to do that in a regular match, even being able to do this a week, uh, a week, a year before, then at the at 2006, obviously RVD um, had a match against John Cena then. Yeah. But if they'd been able to do this match then... That was before ECW was a show on network television, though. Yeah, but I mean, if this if this match had been on the other uh, other one-night stands, it would have been fantastic. Oh, it would have been, it would have been, it would this, have been shit hot. If this match had just been on a normal WWE show at the time, mm-hmm. a WWE pay-per-view where it was like, you know, no DQ or something like that, it would have been spectacular. You reckon this hit, You reckon this actually hindered the match? I think the stipulation hindered the match, especially the ending because there was... Yeah. There wasn't too much of a work-up towards it. But an yeah. interesting point when you say this is going down a really dark rabbit hole here, but it's worth mentioning just so people don't get on us and be like, you didn't mention that this is the case. Uh, so Benoit's involved in this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lumberjack for the Mark Henry Kane match that we'll talk about later on. Right. And when you said about the concussions, if he was working with a legit concussion, not Benoit, RVD, this is obviously pure speculation. Pure like, speculation. Even with all we do do research, this would be really harrowing because this is less than a month from the Benoit suicide murders. That is the Benoit suicide mur- murders. Uh, rather grimly, happened uh, twenty twenty one days after this took place. Wow. 
So that's insane. Well, obviously, there's no correlation between there's no correlation between, between anything. But I there's suppose... no correlation. I'm not saying that you know Benoit was inspired by this pay per view. But but what you're saying, once again, we don't know jack shit. We're just a couple of cunts with we don't know microphones. Exactly. I keep on saying it, but like, I mean, we can we can be free. This was around this time, to my knowledge, this was still the era of just fucking, you know. You've you've had you've had you've you've had a stinger, you know. Put some ice on it. Yeah, this put, was, put your boots on and get out there. Well, if anything, this is the end of that, you know, because this is so yeah. close to the Ben. So this is the very this very is the tail end of tail that end of that attitude. because you've got to think what's absolutely mind blowing is Ben was on this pay per view. He's in that lumberjack match as a lumberjack. You've got to think because of what happened in hindsight. You know, twenty one days after this match. He's obviously not in a good mental place during this uh, pay-per-view. He's probably during that phase that everyone said where you become sort of very withdrawn and writing in that diary and saying all that weird shit, talking to Eddie Guerrero through a diary and all that sort of stuff. That stuff's probably going on as you know around this time, which is quite scary and mm. quite glum to think about. But it's just an interesting point to sort of bring up that this is very, very close to when those happened and he's here. Mm. And it's an Extreme Rules match where concussions and things like that, Extreme Rules pay-per-view, should I say, concussions and things like that aren't as talked about or as mm-hmm. sort of thought about even. As I wonder, are, I wonder even if the product was now what it is, other way around, uh, even if the product was then what it is now, I forget what I'm trying to say. Uh, all I'm saying is the health and safety of wrestlers is more important now. Yeah, than it yeah. would have been then. Obviously, they've got the wellness policy and all that kind of stuff. I wonder if... Um, I don't know if this is something that they have, but obviously mental health is talked about a lot more, even just in this past 12 months yeah. or two years, than it has been ever in my lifetime. In general? For men, for, in general, in general. For, in men, general, for yeah. men For men in particular, I would probably even yeah, say. Yeah, I'd say probably the last sort of three, four, five years. It's, yeah, yeah, because there's been a lot of people who've come out and spoke about it, Tyson Fury and all these people have come out and spoke about it quite candidly. I wonder if they've got a mental uh, a mental health component to the wellness policy I in WWE. Ho- I would fucking hope so. I would hope so as well. Yeah. It's, it, not, it's, not, it's not something I've, I've heard about, though. It's not something I've heard about, but it's not something. Um, I, I, I don't think maybe it's just not spoke about. Maybe it's just not spoke about, not because it's a secret thing or whatever, but because I think if they drew attention to that, then I suppose that would maybe the, if you did the, the if you vul- did have issues, that would reverse. Yeah, po- a quite, lot of the work that you put in, quite maybe. possibly, and then it also, if they did have that aspect to it, and you know, part of the wellness policy and the health checks and stuff like that. When you say a wrestler's out with a concussion or a broken elbow or a you know torn rotator cuff, which is a very common one, yeah, ACL if, or whatever. Yeah, MCL, if please. in if in that bag, people knew that wrestlers could be out with severe depression or mental health issues. The vultures, the horrible vultures of the world, would be all over that shit, which wouldn't be helpful towards the cause. You know, you're probably right. I mean, I hope we are moving away from that shit a little bit, but. You're probably right. Yeah, I mean, hope hopefully, but there is. I think there's always going to be horrible bastards in the world. Mm. But uh, yeah, so anyway, with this match, Rob Van Dam gets the gets the win. There's a spot in this match that is worth YouTubing if you're not going to watch the whole match, mm-hmm. where RVD goes for a rolling thunder and a mid flip 
uh, Randy Orton power slams pops him, pops up and turns it into yeah, a power shit slam. Yeah, that that's, that's, that's Randy. That's Randy Orton. That's well, Randy Orton and RVD. That's timing. That's just beautiful timing and perfect picture like timing in wrestling. It yes, is, perf- perfect wrestling. Um, so Rob Van Dam defeats Randy Orton. He gets him on the stretcher. Well, Randy yeah, Orton gets a bit of an anticlimax. Yeah, it? a bit of an anticlimax. So Randy Orton has RVD on the stretcher. He rolls him at the ramp. RVD manages to get off, gets enough punches in to put Randy Orton. He's on, only he's like a little clip kick, isn't it? He? Like he gets him into he gets him into the aisle onto the stretcher. Like the stretcher's only really utilised kind of towards the end of the match anyway, isn't it? Yeah, there's a very sick part of me that wanted to see a frog splash onto the stretcher, uh, and then the stretcher would probably collapse down. Yeah. That would have been cool, actually. Would have been cool, but that would have been fucking cool. scary, dangerous. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, like the actual finish is kind of a little bit because what is it? It's um, like there's a bit of a beatdown. Uh, Randy puts uh, Rob on the stretcher, and he basically does like a little up kick from the stretcher. Yeah, not even a big shot, is it? Really, it's just like a little up kick from the stretcher, and like then he like stumbles down onto it Rob gets off pushes him over the line and that's that's the end of it isn't it yeah and that, yeah that's basically it and it's just an anti-climax to 14 what... minutes 45 seconds into the first match Quite that's one of the longer first matches we've seen in these one night stands yeah isn't and it? it is an anti-climax which we don't want to finish talking about that match on anti-climax but want to say overall is check it out because it is ace it is a very good match for this and then card. there's um, there's just more there's more healing from autumn afterwards obviously and he does a beat down yeah. Does a beat down after the match. Rob gets put in net cast. Yeah. Very not ECW. No, very uh, very feeding into a storyline that's obviously going on, which is obviously yeah. different to the homages that we've seen before. Yeah. Which were sort yeah. of just standalone storylines rather than long TV storylines that have been mm-hmm. continued on. Anyway, after that, we've got a segment with Vince McMahon, who is the <laughs> current ECW heavyweight <laughs> champion, <laughs> shining up his belt. Talking to Shane, getting prepared for his match later on. Mm. Um, he also very weirdly says that he had a premonition that something really bad was going to happen, and then not long after this, as I say, because of the whole uh, what they went with storyline-wise, before uh, Benoit did what he did, was Vince McMahon being killed, quote unquote, in the limo thing. So I think that's an interesting. What the fuck's that got to do with Chris Benoit? Because that whole storyline got cancelled because Benoit actually killed his wife and his son oh. the day after. Oh, yeah, is... so it was a storyline that they were going with um, at the time, which is quite interesting to see that they're going with this, sto- this storyline and Vince is sort of very sort of... Just a little nuance there puts in, I've got a bad premonition, a premonition that something really bad's going to happen to me. Oh. And then obviously in storyline, Vince gets killed not long after this on a SmackDown. Oh. Which obviously they ended up abandoning in that whole storyline. Uh, after that, we've got CM, CM Punk and the ECW Originals, which is the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer, mm-hmm. against the new breed, which is Elijah Burke, uh, Marcus Corvan, and Matt Stryker. Yeah, yeah, the Sandman, uh, the, the Sandman, the Sandman, with his lovely watered-down two-minute version of his entrance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you got time to drink. One bit, smash it about a bit, grandstand in the crowd. Now get out there because we've got two further entrances to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's like the 30 second version of what could sometimes be 10, 15 minutes yeah. Sandman entrance. And again, going back to the crowd, the crowd weren't on board with this as an ECW crowd would have been. You know, they weren't as, as on board with this. 
as they would have been. They didn't really. They were like kind of go like, yeah. Whereas an ECW fan would have been going fucking nuts yeah. at Sandman's entrance on ECW crowd, should I say? And uh, yeah, this match uh, was a bit sloppy. A bit sloppy. It bit was sloppy. it was okay. There were some interesting parts. Uh, Tommy Dreamer at one point does like a bit of a shout out to the Dudley Boys. Wait, he screams oh, for yeah. he screams to get the tables, yeah, yeah, which is an interesting little point because the first ECW One Night Stand in 2005 was the last appearance on WWE television that the Dudley Boys would make for ten years. Fuck off, really? Yeah, yeah, they went to TNA after that, didn't they? They did. They went to TNA. They sort of went their separate ways. Kind of, they went the Dudley got Bully yeah. Ray came about, and um, yeah, so it's interesting that. Well, like, that's interesting. Uh, well, slightly. Hey, it's interesting at the same time, and I think. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Elijah Burke obviously went over to TNA and, you know, feuded quite a lot with Bully Ray, didn't he? The Pope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, well, um, funnily enough, we say that as well. Um, that was RVD um, with the when he put him in the neck brace. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was his last um, appearance with WWE for a long time as well. Right after that, in storyline, he went off because he'd... Um, obviously had that neck injury mm-hmm. uh, but he went to, t- to uh, TNA right after this as well mm. so this is almost like you know they're all off yeah. <laughs> sort of thing yeah. this is this is the culmination of this isn't fucking ECW I'm going <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so it's interesting a uh, little shout out to the Dudley boys um, obviously I don't think anyone knew RVD was on his way to TNA as well but Tommy Dreamer puts that in the match is a little bit sloppy it's interesting to see CM Punk at this time because this is when CM Punk was sort of known as a like young prodigy opposed to the uh, mm. chip on his shoulder fucking dickhead he became. But uh, wait, wait, sorry, what? Ooh, sorry. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Who said that? Live rounds there, Scott. Fired against Punk. Yeah, fuck him. Live rounds against Punk. Nah, I'm just sort of jesting. I like CM Punk. Just I liked CM Punk. Just I think he's someone that's been given a lot of opportunities in life and being given the world handed to him and still has a fucking chip on his shoulder about the whole thing. Ooh, still, that's still quite a, those are big words, mate. Those they are, are big, big words. words. You know, fucking, oi, Paul, come at me. And, Phil. Uh, Phil, what's his, oh, that's his name, Phil. Phil Brooks, is it? There you go, you do know his uh, name. Don't pretend you don't know his name. Yeah, well, follow him on Twitter. Paul, Phil, same thing. Um, yeah, no, I, this is when CM Punk, all those shots fired aside, this is when he's a prodigy, <laughs> and this is when he's like, you know, he's just come come into WWE, if you like, and he's getting this this run, and he's this is where behind the scenes he's a Paul Heyman guy, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. His, Paul Heyman was all about all about Punk. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's got his long hair, and this is where Punk's really, really good. This is this is that t- this era of Punk I really, really liked, and I love, to be honest, and then when he went a bit bigger than this, and even his whole run in WWE, I loved as well. The comments I made were about what he did uh, sort of afterwards, I thought was a bit childish. But What, you mean the Colt Cabana podcast? Uh, yeah, not, no, I don't think doing all that was childish. I think his attitude towards the whole business and the people around him was quite childish. But let's not get into CM Punk. We talked that. about Bare Knuckle Boxing for 10 minutes before, mate. It's a wrestling podcast. I want to hear more about your views on CM Punk. Uh, I think he's probably the most, from a fan perspective, overrated wrestler in modern history. Uh, I think his Ring of Honor stuff, all the stuff he did in the independence before he got WWE, was absolutely phenomenal. He was one of the longest reigning champions of the modern era. Yeah, well, in that case, he's fucking overrated by WWE as well. Then. Um, sorry, it's getting late and I'm getting tired. Anyway, no, so... I, I liked CM Punk a lot in WWE. I thought he was good. 
but I just didn't think he was good as everyone said he was. And I think there's this... In in what way? On the mic? In the ring? Both. Both. I thought he's... Obviously, he's a f- fantastic wrestler, hmm. but his GTS is bullshit. Is that, 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 that what, what looks like it can crack an egg, or...? Yeah. I mean, you see a proper GTS done in New Japan or wherever by uh, your man, what's he called? Kenta. Kenta. And it looks brutal. It looks like he's taking someone's fucking head off. CM Punk does it, and it's just a bit like, oh, we've, you fucking hit him in the chest half the time. Mm-hmm. And it just looks a bit soft and babyish. But not only that, it's like, I just think he's very, very good. But I think the fact that fans still chant his name, you know, monotonously, is like, come on, he's not that good. He's fucking gone. <laughs> like, he's not some fucking martyr for the whole, you know, change of WWE and what we want to see. You know, Isn't he's, he? He's just a bloke. Isn't he? That is kind of what he kind of did want to change the product and maybe did make a change. Yeah, he did. He, he did, but he's not. A, he's not the be all and end all of that change. He's a part of it, but he's not. Mm-hmm. But he's an important part of he's it. He's not the holy saint of it, though, is he? No, but he was an important part of There's it. There's a lot of things you could argue with the important part of that change. But it's very easy to. Have, a lot it's of it. nice to have him as a figurehead for that point of view and opinion. That's why he's he stands he's he's he stood for a different opinion. That's what was his whole thing. He was different. That was his that that was his thing. That's why he resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, I I I agree with that. But I just think that there comes to a point where you've got to say, well, this guy is gone. That was then. This is now. Who are we going to look to now to try and change things? You know. Rather than keep chanting CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk, how about chanting someone else? Is that maybe your issue is with a certain type of fan as opposed to Punk himself? It's a combination because it's like rather than do, and I know he's not asked for that, but rather than do that, why not get on board with someone else who could possibly change the industry? So you are really moaning about a certain type of fan? Both. I think he's a guy with an incredibly big chip on his shoulder. You know, there's no denying that. No denying that. He's got a huge chip on his shoulder, whether it be from his upbringing and his background or anything like that or stuff he went through when he was in WWE. Mm-hmm. But I just think, you know, there's a point that comes where you have to say, when he was on that Cole Cabana podcast and he's talking about storylines and stuff like that, there's a point that you have to say to him, not everything is about you, motherfucker, to quote Kevin Nash, quoting The Undertaker, talking about Bret Hart. But that's another story. <laughs> that was fucking inside baseball. I've no idea what you're on about. <laughs> Jesus, mate, you fucking mark. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, I hate myself so much. Um, but no, that's 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 uh, that's it. That's interesting. That's interesting because um, you have that kind of opinion about Bret Hart as well, don't you? I love Bret Hart, but I just think there's a time when you just takes like... himself to. You think he takes himself too seriously yeah i have a i mean this probably comes down to and we'll not go into this because this is going to be segue after segue i have a big problem in life in general with people who take them yeah you do you got you have a big problem mate sorry what i cut you off what uh i have a huge problem in life in general with people who take themselves too seriously Mm -hmm. generally in day-to-day life when i come across someone or i see someone not in day-to-day life on tv a personality or whoever that people that take themselves too seriously, I have a huge dislike towards, because I just think fucking like you're up. right. But and sometimes to get somewhere in life, 
you do need to take yourself seriously. But he fucking got everywhere he could in life. He was WWE champion for how long? Yeah. Bret Hart, like, yeah, you got screwed at the end, but you did everything you possibly could have dreamed of doing in wrestling to that point. And you got it there, and yeah, the ending was shitty, I get it. And everyone still loves you. I still love him. You reckon he's ungrateful? But I don't think he's ungrateful, but I just think there's a time to let shit go. If we're talking about Bret well, Hart. Well, he has now. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, he has now, and he, apparently he's very refined now. Um, but CM Punk, it's the same same thing. as like, you know, there's a time to realize that not everything is about you, and you need to sort of fall in line and take part in the storyline, um, you know, t- to to a certain degree. And but he, he, part of his thing was that he was different, and he was an antagonist. Yeah. Like... Oh, so actually, you know what? I'm, I'm just about I'm just about to contradict myself actually here, yeah, because he's like part of his his thing was that he's he's straight edge, he's punk rock, he's this and that, he's the antagonist, he's different. Mm-hmm. But yet, I think he's he, he said he still wanted to be the person who was on talk shows and shit. Yeah, you so. can't you can't you can't really be both. You can't can have you? yeah, you, know, you can't have both. You can be a champion and you can be the voice of the voiceless or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah. But you're not going to be on Good Morning America like John Cena, are you? No, not at all. And, you know, unless the entire world changes, really, that you're not going to do that because w, that's not... W- but then you're losing your selling point. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's the point. So it's just like, well, how much How much do you want, Punk? You know, they're going back to my original point. So how much do you want? Like, they've given you everything. And I don't... I'm not including all the, the you know, the accusations of how he was treated health-wise around all this and told to wrestle hurt and told to wrestle sick and all this sort of stuff. I think that's bad. But I just think there comes a point where you just have to be like, right, I had all of this great stuff. I'm just going to let it go and just ease that little pressure off my shoulders a bit and not ride around with it. Once again, all this incredibly easy for me and you to say, Saturday. Yeah. Again, more inside baseball. Bret Hart would describe that as having a bag of rocks on your shoulder that you just let go one day. I know... A weight's lifted. A weight is lifted. Anyway. Back to Scott. Uh, away from Scott slagging. You got me down that. You. <laughs> I love winding you up. Poke you, the you bear. You encourage it. I In, do. I always do. Yeah. Indeed. I'm pretty sure Nick probably agrees with me on half of that, but he just likes being... I do. Well, yeah. Ironically, well... Nick enjoys being an antagonist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. This match, anyway... A little bit sloppy, but this is CM Punk right before his prime, just much the same as Randy Orton, probably a little bit um, more before his prime than Randy WWE Orton. WWE prime, obviously. WWE prime, obviously. All his bad shit was independent. And um, it's a good match-ish. It's sloppy. <laughs> it's pretty sloppy, man. Sandman. It's kind of entertaining. Sandman. Sandman was sloppy. Sandman basically can't do shit in this in this uh, match. It's kind of, in a, in a way, sad um how out of his game he kind of is mm-hmm. uh tommy dreamer in my opinion kind of holding it together a little bit more mm-hmm. um holding the match solid um they defeat uh the new breed and yeah it's a sort of a nice little ending i, I quite enjoyed the ending to that match where they're on the top of the ramp celebrating together i thought that was quite cool yeah yeah it was a basically it was a matt striker was uh suplexed through um elijah burke through a table yeah. yeah, which was all right, and that, all right. that was that was like half the, that match was like half the length of the start match, seven minutes thirty five. Yeah, seconds. I mean to give them, I mean, I've but, but not three, to say, three times as many competitors. I mean, I did slag off CM Punk for quite a while then, but you do have to give them where credit to do. They had a tables match, not only a tables match. Oh yeah, it was a tables match by the way. <laughs> a, a, uh, 
a fucking uh, three man tag match. It's three yeah. man tag. Yes. You do this every time. It's a six man. Six no, man wait. tag. Yeah, six. Now, th- three wrestlers on each side. It's a yeah, tr- tr- six man tag. Two teams. There we yeah. go. That's catchy. Uh, <laughs> it's a tables match and a tables match, and they only had seven and a half minutes to get all of that shit in. So sloppiness, you know, can be forgiven in some respects. Mm-hmm. Um, next up after that, uh, did we have a segment after that? Um, Edge and Randy Orton. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. teasing sort of more storyline with them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll be honest, mate. I just wrote down Edge Randy backstage. I wish I'd put more down, but um, yeah. I didn't write anything down, so you know, I was kind of fo- trying to focus more on the matches than anything else because, yeah, unlike when we did the hindsight 2020 of the WCW era, we were not really following storylines. WCW era. WCW when we did hindsight 2020. With... Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, yeah. I'm just so used to pulling you up on shit. Uh, I'm occasionally wrong. Start fucking out, right? We'll go for this again. So unlike the Hindsight 2020 we did on all the WCW stuff, which yeah, you can yeah, listen yeah. to on Spotify, iTunes, and all those great places, we're not really following the storylines here. So I was more focused on the matches and yeah. how the okay. overall product reflected at the time. So I didn't really take much time to look at the backstage segments. But next up after that match, we had a tag title ladder match. Yeah. Which was the Hardys, Jeff Hardy and Matt, obviously, mm-hmm. against the world's greatest tag team, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which... Love Shelton, ben- Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas. Like, world's greatest yeah. tag team. Was- both, well, Shelton ben- Benjamin still obviously he's a he's on the roster now, and he? he's just a, he's just an athletic beast, isn't he? Yeah, I was about to say those two words, athletic beast. Um, ah. Yeah, he's an absolute fucking machine specimen. Shelton Benjamin, uh, ridiculously athletic and high flying, also stupidly strong. Um, against obviously the the uh, legends that are the Hardy Boys. So many people have said that Shelton Benjamin is the best PR athlete that WWE have ever had. Like, yeah, looks like arguably. a Greek god. Can probably jump over a car standing just from just standing. Probably just jump over a car clean. Yeah, arguably so. Yeah, um, I think maybe his mic skills probably might have held him back a little bit, um, to ever so slightly. He he wasn't bad on the mic by any means, but he didn't. I don't think his athletic ability was absolutely phenomenal. But mm. I just don't think he had that, you know, that absolutely like pinnacle, pinnacle of of charisma that you sort of need to get to that no. level, really. Oh, like, oh, I don't know. I've just had an amazing little dream match idea, which could theoretically happen, but it will never happen. Imagine a Shelton Benjamin versus Will Ospreay match. Jesus Christ! Imagine that. That would be fucking insane. Yeah, that'd be good. Because when when they said like this era, Shelton Benjamin. Athletically, I think Will Ospreay compares. Yeah, I, I would not agree. as not as strong, but he's he's stacking on some muscle now. Yeah, he was looking. He posted a, a Twitter uh, picture the other day. He's, he's stacking on stack, some muscle. Stacking on some crazy muscle. And he's looking, I need to catch up on my New Japan. He's looking wedged. I need to catch up on my New, new I really Japan. respect the fact that he's just staying in New Japan. Yeah, well. yeah, they've 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 moved to Japan. Yeah, he's obviously got a, a home there, hasn't he? And he likes. He obviously likes that product and likes being there and likes yeah. working, working. Yeah, yeah. He's I'm, he's a company. He's the company man for New Japan now. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I'm quite glad to say. Um, I mean, <laughs> fast forward two years and I'll be eating my words. But he's someone you'll never see in WWE, and I quite enjoy that about him. Well, no, he's contracted to New Japan now, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, don't know how long his contract. No, is, but, but you'll 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 never see him in WWE. I don't think. Well, never say never. 
I don't think you'll ever see him. But like, yeah, the fucking wrestling rule number one, Scott, never say never. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh... Hulk Hogan will never come back to the WWE. <laughs> Yeah, I just think Will Ospreay is a bit more of a stretch, but I like that. That's what I mean. Yeah. I don't think that's a shame. I like the fact that he stayed in Japan. And as much as AEW at the minute is so exciting and so brilliant, mm-hmm. I like the fact that he's staying in Japan. It kind of gives him that sort of, uh, I don't know, this like sort of air of, what's the word? Sort of this, this air of like uh, something special about him. The yeah. fact that he's staying away from all that and he's just still in Japan and he is yeah. so good, but he's not coming over and doing AEW, which is nothing against AEW, obviously, because I love that product. But he's staying over there and he's being himself and he's doing what he wants to he's do. Doing what he wants to, he's doing yeah. what he wants to do and he's wrestling the matches that he wants with. to wrestle. I could see him in AEW. I could see him come to AEW and that would be absolutely phenomenal. But I like the fact that he's staying over in Japan. It just gives him... I do. There's so many places people can work that you don't have to. you don't have to hope to one day be here, one day be there. Yeah. You don't have to adhere to a Western crowd just because you're Western. No. No, by any touch of the imagination. Um, so that would be a dream match. But this match, the ladder match. Yeah, the match. Um, we, a, lot of, a lot of tangents today, but this, the Hardys. I, I love that this was the Hardys then. No longer Hardy Boys. Yeah, but the when Hardys. they came back recently, they were Hardy Boys. Yeah, the Hardys. Yeah, Hardy. it's weird that. I never really picked up Even on Even though they were obviously older. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Hardy Men. And, uh, uh, yeah. Doesn't sound like gay porn at all. No. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd, I thought this match was probably another contender for one of the best matches on the card. Yeah. Although it was it, similar to the 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 table match from before, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit sloppy in areas. Um, in terms, I don't mind the- sloppiness. Like obviously, the previous match was sloppy. Add some sort of like relatively young and newer wrestlers on there. Um, I honestly don't mind sloppiness so long as the intensity and the the intent stays there. Like, I don't mind quote-unquote botched spots so long as you stay in the moment. I think what says to that, and which goes to my very brief defense of the match before, is they've got more time to do that here. Yeah, it's ten minutes. It's ten minutes longer than the other match. Yeah, this this match goes for seventeen minutes and twenty five seconds, and so when they do do the occasional sloppiness, the odd you know miss of a ladder which was terrifying. There's a bump in this match that Shelton Benjamin takes where he's so backdrop to uh, to the outside through the ladder. Yeah, where he hits his fucking ankle on it and looks like he's gonna snap his leg in half. Yeah, look nasty. It's I a mean. good job it was um, not a fucking metal ladder like they used in the. You know, the previous shows, when yeah. you used the ladder, they used like a fucking... This was like a WWE hard plastic ladder. Yeah. That was, <laughs> Thank fuck. That is like obviously designed to sort of snap in the middle. Yeah. And uh, this... Thank Christ for that because there was a nasty, nasty bump. And there was a couple of nasty bumps in this, mm-hmm. um, which were just just absolutely just brutal um, to watch. But it was... A, I think it was just that... I think the Hardys being in there... Obviously, they've got the rep for being the fucking OGs of the ladder o- matches. The OGs of a ladder match. I think you could have done this match in a lot of ways without the Hardys and another tag team in there. Go on. Uh, because it, obviously it's a ladder match and you've got obviously the you know the um, the greatest tag team, the world's greatest tag team, as they're called. Mm-hmm. 
and I think the Hardys being in there was sort of a just a throw to oh, if it's a ladder match, we'll put the Hardys in there. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying it wasn't a great match because the Hardys will nine times out of ten put on a great ladder match. I just think storyline wise, it might have been interesting to have a different team in this ladder match, if you know what I mean. Like who? Uh, let's think of this era. Who could have it been? Who could it be? Who could it be? Uh, On the spot here, mate. Maybe go to, for uh, ECW. No, actually, yeah, no, fuck it. I take that back. I was, I was, <laughs> I was just trying to think like an originality of storyline sort of thing because a young, a younger team. Yeah, because even at this point, obviously it's 2007, so this is seven years removed from when the Hardys really became on the map for doing doing ladder matches. Yeah. At this point, you've like, in a lot of ways, to not be too ne- negative or pessimistic, you've been like, well, we've seen the Hardys in a lot of ladder matches. We know what's going to happen in a, a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be mad. But, you you know, maybe a different team in there with a different moveset. Oh, right. Would, so, kind of... Would have added a new sort of shtick. But... You need somebody to, but they are the OGs of the ladder matches, and you're not just putting them in there. Be, well, no, you are putting them in there because they're going to do this good show. Because you know what? They're one of the most experienced teams out there to do this. I suppose they're a safe bet. They can put the, they can put the match together. Yeah, they're a safe You can't just put any other young, athletic, stud tag team, rising stars. They're a safe hand, as they say. Yeah, they they know yeah. they know the chops, they know the spots, they know how to put that match together. Not everybody, not everybody does ladder matches. Some people go their entire career and never do a ladder match. Yeah, forgive my ignorance. I didn't really think about the structure of the match itself. It's and like how... they're the they're the hand. They're get... they 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 know what the spots are. They know how to do the spots. They're going to be calling the spots. They're they going to be the backbone of the match. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I've I've done it. You, done you a... can't just put some of a young. Uprising star in there because the match will probably be dog shit. Uh, yeah, I've done I've done a U turn on my opinion. No, I, <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying. I just think like I was thinking. I get the point. I was thinking me. aesthetically more than you know the nuts and bolts of the match. Yeah, that aesthetically maybe an old ECW team together would have been quite interesting. But it, it, you're right, it would have been a completely different matchup and yeah. quite possibly not as good because the Hardy Boys are. I'd, they're the backbone of a good ladder match, yeah. match like this. Yeah. Um, there were some scary spots, as we say. Um, the Hardys got the win in the end mm-hmm. for the uh, for the tag team titles. And uh, it was good, 70 minutes and 25 seconds. It was one of the better matches on the card. Coming up after that, we've got uh, a lumberjack match. Oh, don't forget the amazing promo from the great Carly. Oh, fuck me. Which was dead. 80% in... Um, Hindi or Punjabi, I don't know which language. And I forget your man's name who's with him. But uh, basically, it was just uh, Carly yabbering in, we'll say Indian, like I said, I don't know Punjabi yeah. or fucking Hindi. But basically, yabbering in his native language. Probably a better way to put it. Yeah. Than fucking Indian, <laughs> is how you said I didn't, it. You don't want to mean Nobby. I just, I just <laughs> swear too much. I mean, fucking Indian in a negative way. Yeah. Um, he speaks his native language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the way yeah, Greg yeah. Carly does, which, you know, there's nothing against. But even if he, even when he speaks English, he's, he's, he's hard to follow because he's obviously he had acromegaly <clears throat> and gigantism and he had an insanely deep voice. Yeah. He, he was hard to understand at the best of times. Speak, yeah. He's speaking English. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, the Greg Carly, obviously, we'll get, <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into that. 
Um, but yeah, so the next match after that promo is a lumberjack match between Mark Henry and Kane that lasted an astounding nine hours and ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it felt like. It did. <laughs> These big man matches, I mean, the commentators are putting over, over and over again, they're putting over the fact that that Kane's never had this done to him before whenever Mark Henry's sort of putting a bear hug on Kane. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was a part of me, a very sort of horrible modern wrestling fan that chants, we are awesome part of me, which I don't do, but, you know, there's that that's in me somewhere. That was going, <laughs> for fuck's sake, this isn't 1950. No one believes a bear hug anymore. Uh, it ended with a bear hug, didn't it? Yeah. It was a, it was, it was a fucking submission from a bear hug. Yep. Like, no, like, I mean, like, it's hard to believe that bear hugs were ever a thing. I mean, like, when I was little and my brother, who's four years older than me, got me in a bear hug, it hurt. Granted, being squeezed by somebody larger, it hurts. You can't make somebody tap out like that. I don't no. think it's possible. At the end of the day, a fucking headlock put on right hurts. But when you sat there doing for 10 minutes, it's not entertaining. Nah, bear hug. And bear, bear, bear hugs will bear hug. Bear, bear hugs are the shittest wrestling hold ever. Big, you know what the thing is? Is big man matches, I feel, are only really, really good when it's someone fighting from underneath and it's they're against someone who's not another big man. You can get good matches with two big men who aren't afraid to go off the feet and aren't afraid to get hit. Yeah. But when I say a lot of big men don't like getting hit. No, and when they're slugging in and it's like the bear hugs akin to like um, bloody big shows, big punch or whatever it was called. Yeah, it's just not believable. You know, you'd you'd well less so than that. I mean, getting punched off a big like guy like that, you are gonna go down. Bear hugs. Yeah, but it's in terms of wrestling. Like, I mean, if Big Show really threw a punch, you know, I'm not saying by any means for Christ's sake. I would would never ever ever take a fucking actual legitimate punch of the Big Show. He'd fucking take my head off. Mm-hmm. But the way he threw that finisher, because obviously it's a working punch, just didn't look realistic. Mm-hmm. And it takes you out of the moment. And the bear hug is like, it just takes you out because it's like... I mean, like I'm not being funny. I've never been bear hugged off a 400-pound man before. But why don't they actually squeeze? They're clearly just hugging. Yeah. They've clearly just got their arms loosely around each other. Like, it's like John Cena's STF. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's very light. I've grappled it? a little bit, proper grappling, little, little tiny fucking bit. Never against anyone that size, but like. No. It's not going to kill you if you actually squeeze them. It's not going to kill them, sorry, if you actually squeeze them. No. Make it look a bit more. So I'm sure that's where the saying comes from. Snug. No room between the limbs. That's what snug means, I'm presuming. Yeah. When they say he wrestles snug, that means he applies pressure on the hold. You couldn't get your arm in between their arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Apply some pressure, at least. Yeah, and, but the whole... The thing is with big man matches like this where they're not really going off of the feet or anything like that, and you've got the lumberjacks in there, I think to maybe add a little bit of sort of flavour to it, but it's just not... Didn't do jack shit, did it? D- didn't, do, <laughs> didn't do jack shit, those lumberjacks. Um, but yeah, nope. it, it didn't add anything to it, and this fucking match felt like it lasted forever. And it was probably... It was nine, yeah, like I say, nine minutes, ten seconds. Nine minutes and ten, ten seconds felt lo- much longer. And it was just fucking brutal. Uh, <laughs> it was hard to watch. Uh, anyway. Very much not n- even slightly ECW. Yeah, anyway, before we get into this next match, 
what I'm going to talk a little bit about is where you can find us. Just do a little bit of a, a, a mid mid podcast read. Is Why not? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Fabulous Heel Nerds. You can. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can find us on t- Twitter at Fab Heel Nerds. You can find us on Spotify, Fabulous Heel Nerds, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, wherever you find your podcast base. Throw us out some of them there and five star ranking and reviews if that's all right. Yeah, if you're on any of those, you're on Apple Podcasts. If you put, if you like the show, put a five star review. It really helps us get some more listeners. You can also still listen to us on the Aaron Meta Network. Yeah, Aaron is currently in full flow of his series that he does on there, the Aaron Meta Show. Uh, really good stuff on there if you like politics and current events. And, yeah, just basically give us a little comment. Uh, you know, Send us some messages. We'll reply to them and talk to them. Tell we'll us we'll reciprocate. Think. I'm sure you've got some shit going on there. We'll reciprocate. Yeah, we'll, 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 always, we'll always chat back. And uh, <clears throat> give us some ideas you want to hear on uh, next shows and things like that. And uh, without any further ado, we'll get into straight away the next match on the card. So, next up we have... The championship match. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the 61-year-old CEO of uh, the world's biggest pro wrestling sports entertainment company. Yeah. Not a wrestler, obviously. A businessman and on-screen talent. With short hair looking somewhat like my dad in this, which is bizarre. Yes, dressed up very... Oddly, in this era, um, Vincent Man looked like some kind of fucking dock worker or something. Like he wore, he had like obviously he's a he's a beast. Obviously, Vince McMahon, like he's a giant man. Yeah. Um, but like he wore like a, just a plain black like sweatshirt jumper type thing. Yeah. And then fingerless gloves and like just like black jeans and then like like what what like shitty black trainers. Yeah, did he, he looked like he looked like a fucking he looked like a labourer or a dock worker. <laughs> did he come down with a bandana on in this as well? He didn't wear his do rag in this one. No, no, he wore he wore his he wore his do rag when he had short hair, and after, obviously after he had his head shaved at Mania. Yeah. He's got short hair here, but it's after his it's growing back. It's growing back his hair. Yeah, exactly. He's not he's not he's not rocking the do rag or the like weird fedora that he used to wear occasionally. Yeah. But like, yeah, this is Vince McMahon who has decided to make himself. The ECW champion. Yep, ECW World Heavyweight Champion, yep. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And he's uh, fighting one of the biggest like genetic beasts in wrestling ever, Bobby Lashley, Yeah. in a street fight. Yep. How did you find this match, mate? Uh, it had some good spots. It had some good, uh, you know, if you were a Spot Monkey fan. Yeah, um, from, but from, from who, though? Uh, well, Shane, <laughs> uh, Umaga, <laughs> Bobby Lashley, yeah, yeah. Um, Vince took a couple of, uh, couple of. Oh, he's not, he's not frightened to take a shot though of any yeah. Mac, is he? Co- took a couple of shots, but he's no wrestler by any means, which I think plays into probably the the whole storyline. Yeah, yeah. He, he did this when he, you know, back in the sort of uh, Austin days when he was, you know, fighting Austin, he put himself in these positions, didn't he? Where he's like, I'm a wrestler. You know, well, because he always wanted to be, obviously. He, yeah, and he also put himself, obviously, storyline-wise, he did it on purpose because he knew it would get people riled up. Yeah. Um, and I think putting the ECW it, World Heavyweight title on himself was probably the biggest way to get people riled up about heat. that. Yeah, heel heat. For, I mean, essentially, for 
I mean, this is just my opinion for fans who aren't there anymore. This is going to get ECW fans really pissed off, but they're not. They're probably not watching the product anymore because it's not really ECW anymore, is it? True. You know who's. But it? it's a good. Yeah, but like, I mean, that's something. It's a tried and tested formula up until this day. Yeah. You We're waning. Uh, put me back on telly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. So it's a. Uh, it's an interesting match. Um. At one point, Bobby Lashley gets thrown to the outside. Right. This is just a little. Uh, sort of mental note I made. Holds onto the top rope for far too long. No, he doesn't get thrown. He fucking dives to the outside, but holds onto the rope for far too long and misses the spot and lands awfully on his shoulder. Mm. And I, I know we like sort of pointing out little spots that you see here and there, mm. which I think, you know, probably wrestlers listening don't like. That's but the. Fans um, watching, like, sort of. That's the opening dive, isn't it? Yeah, the opening dive. He holds onto the rope for a little too long and just lands horribly on his shoulder. And it's really really grim to see and as i say i don't think like any wrestlers that would possibly be listening would like to see like to hear us sort of pick apart things like that but as fans you notice it yeah i think other fans might you know find that interesting to see that he does a dive and kind of botches his own dive in a way mm. by like just gripping the rope for a little bit too long and it just looked fucking devastating you know he looked like it hurt himself doing stuff more. like that holds a lot of holds a lot of currency that's not the right word it's very risky for a person of that size. Yeah. Could very easily end... I mean, like, for example... All that weight landed down on any joint of your body when you're that beefed up and you're that fucking hench and you've got that much muscle behind, muscle behind you landed on a joint that awkwardly... <sighs> well, I mean, for example, Brock Lesnar shooting star press could have ended a lot worse than it did. Yeah, it's a good job. He, like, but that's a completely different pay per view. But it's a good job that Brock Lesnar's got a fucking massive neck. Yeah, <laughs> basically. But so it's the risk factor when you're that size and doing a dive like that is fucking crazy. Mm. Um, but he sort of botches that. But we'll 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 gloss over that. I'm sure you wouldn't uh, like to hear us go on and on about that little dive that he did there. But uh, he gets the win here. Mm. He gets the uh, he gets the face win. Uh there's obviously some real healing going on because it's a uh, street fight, so Shane and Umaga are heavily involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're really, really, you know, sticking it to to Lashley, trying to really make sure that he doesn't. One point get that the really, win. really cracks me up that Vince actually does. Like, obviously, Vince doesn't do a great deal in this match. Like, he doesn't do any wrestling moves at all. No, I don't think he just does a bit of punching and a bit, bit of beat downs and assisted. Obviously, by Umaga and Shane O'Mac, but uh, you know, it's at one point when Vince is giving a bit of a beat down, uh, he, he, he gets the timekeeping bell hammer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what does he do with that hammer? Remind me. Go on, tell me. Uh, so, what would you, if you got, if you was in a fight with somebody and you found a hammer, what would you do with said hammer? In a real fight or a wrestling yeah. match? Yeah. In a, in a, well, for facsimile, you know, it's imitated fighting. What would you do if you found a hammer? Twat him around the head with it. What does Vince do with it? Go on. He chokes him with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he finds a hammer. I was lost for a second there. This match fucking... For some reason, this this match and the next match were a bit of a blur. Yeah. Because this was when, in my head, I was being too much of a fucking shithead fan going, this is awful, this is awful, this is awful, this isn't ECW, this is fucking terrible, rather than trying to take everything in. So this match and the next last really good match really glossed over me but that is fucking hilarious yeah yeah if i if i had a hammer what do you do with this blood instrument i'll choke you with it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've got this gun what am, I, what am i gonna do with it oh i'll choke you with it that's what you use a gun for <laughs> uh, yeah that's yeah. 
I mean, it, uh, it, that's classic wrestling stuff, really, isn't it? I mean, it's funny because it's the timekeeper's hammer. Yeah, it's like timekeeper's hammer is like an overgrown fucking toffee hammer. Yeah, but it's similar. <laughs> it's similar that sort of where some people say that it takes you out the moment, like say same with Triple H with his sledgehammer. How he sort of like butts it into your st- every time you use it, he like butts it into your stomach. It was like if you legitimately wanted to fucking hurt someone with a sledgehammer, you'd swing it at them. You would, but you can't do that. I mean, like, what 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 do you do? Do you work the shot, which is what they usually do, or do you gimmick the thing? Yeah, that's good. You either gimmick gimmick the weapon or you work the shot. And like I say, if we're talking about modern day, um, obviously the big thing at the moment is the Cody Rhodes chair shot. Yeah. That was a gimmicked chair. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, Like, apparently the metal was like cookie sheet thin. It had been sanded down and repainted. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, but obviously, like, the edges of the chair. It's <laughs> <laughs> still heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, that didn't work. So, I suppose it's safer to, to work to work whatever the shot is or work whatever the business is yeah. than it is to gimmick... Gimmick the gimmick thing because the... like you see gimmick things every now and again, and I, I think it was No Way Out '98. Uh, you had Kane versus uh, Vader, and at the very end of it, like they had a not even gimmicked uh, a wrench, and like you could clearly see it was rubber. Yeah, and he st- you even see him step on it, and like you watch it in the re. The replay, which they show even slowly, and you see it bounce off his head. They're like, his entire eye orbit was caved in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you've well, got to use the real product. They've really. occasionally gimmicked real. Uh, Triple H's sledgehammer as well, haven't they? Where they swing, where you know the odd time where the 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 heads come off, and that like bounces around like it's made of rubber, and it's always it always takes you out of the moment slightly. Yeah. So yeah, you're probably right. It's probably best to work the work the shot rather than gimmick the the weapon. Yeah. Um. So. This match, I mean, it had a good couple of high spots. Like Shane did his classic elbow from the the top rope. Other than the fact that he's the boss's son, that's why he was there. Yeah, to, <laughs> to go through to the through the. Does the coast to coast, obviously, but the 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 pull. Um, Lashley gets away, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, so classic Shane moves, which I was um, entertained by. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lashley gets the win. It's a nice heel, nice face win against the heels. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this show, which is a good little, at least anyway, for this show is a good little, yeah. you know. It's, it's like it's it's like spears all round, isn't it? Like Lashley spears Shane, and then Lashley spins spears uh, Vince. Yeah, Umaga spears spears Lashley at some point, I'm sure as well. Yeah, and they're all really heavy duty spears as well. Like no yeah. fucking around spears. Well, the, big, the big lads aren't the Umaga yeah. and Lashley like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Umaga could fucking lay it in as well. Yeah, um, oh, wow. I wasn't a big fan of um, Umaga's like sort of call here. Um, is um not as like any call he made in the match, but his, you know, like his Samoan sort of scream. He just like made a loud like war cry, didn't he? Yeah, but it was more of a a war yelp, because you know, like you got the Roman Reigns does a like uh, ooh ah that sort of thing. It's nice and deep. Umaga kind of goes like ah, and then sort of. Does a little like running? Is that not more so? Like he's, he's Samoan. Yeah, obviously Samoan. Is that? I don't know much about Samoan um, like heritage or culture to be honest. But uh, I suppose it was it more akin to like a Maori war cry. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, Yeah. but it just didn't seem intimidating. Do it. Do do it again, mate. Ah. 
and then he just like the run to <laughs> run to the corner like fucking giant ass in your face. Yeah, uh, which would legit me if you didn't time that perfectly would legit me probably snap your fucking neck off. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he's obviously he's a professional. He uh, times it perfectly and. You know, Lashley sells it well, but Lashley mm. inevitably gets the win. So, where does that rank in your war cries? What, who, what war, whose war cries do you like best? Then, I like Roman Reigns a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. Um, I like, I like Roman Reigns. Brock Lesnar used to occasionally when he first came back in like 2013, 2012, 2013, used to go. Aah! Yeah, he, he likes some quite, of that. quite a bit. Yeah, um, I always liked Stings, which is um, very close to a woo. But it's well like a... Uh, oh, that was more like Tatanka. That's Tatanka. Uh, rather than go, like, Sting used to... Flip... <laughs> yeah, Sting, like Sting used to flip it around. So instead of going, woo, Sting used to go, how? It's like a woo in reverse. You know any more? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Like I say, Tatanka... I reckon I could do Tatankas, because his was like a Native American war cry, wasn't it? Yeah. It was... What the fuck is that? Was Tata- that was that was what Tatanka did. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm. I'm. I'm merely questioning what's happened to this fucking podcast. <laughs> Off the rails. If with... you know any other war cries, uh, like wrestler war cries, tweet uh, them. To, tweet them to us. Try and yeah, spell tweet them out. Us, tweet, see, tweet us some videos, man. See. See. Better yet, just type tweet it and see if we can guess whose it is. Um, phonetic- type tweet it. Yeah, phonetically. Like, just look, in phonetics. Yeah. yeah so uh, woo would be easy. Just couple of w's and a load of o's right. uh a roman reigns will be what a h w w no h o o w w capital w a h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h h <laughs> the next match is uh, a extreme pudding match. This is the very woke at the time WWE putting two of their female wrestlers at the time known as divas in a big swimming pool filled with chocolate pudding in their bikinis to roll oh, around. Oh, you missed the um, pr- um, the uh, backstage seg- segment before that with Santino. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Candice Michelle and um, uh, Maria Canellis, where they, like, moves out the way and the two birds kiss each other. Yeah, yeah, two yeah. birds kiss each other. Incredibly woke podcast we've got here as well, the two birds. Um, yeah, so they there's it's just very, I don't know, not modern era sort of stuff. Is I mean I did think about this a little bit. If the ladies are up for it, not just up for it. If like some ladies like showing their sexy sexuality and sexiness, mm-hmm. and like they're just they're just into it. Yeah. Is it a problem? No, I don't think so at all. Um, but I think you know, if you got this snarky attitude, then. I've not got a snarky attitude towards it at all. Come on, you can't fucking tell. You can't Mate, be I'm winding you up. You know what? You can't you know be what the you... antagonist, antagonist, antagonist about this. Um, <clears throat> it's just very old, sort of 90s, 2000s wrestling. That's sort of like... Well, it's not fucking wrestling, is it? Yeah, no, it's not wrestling. It's a, a gimmick. You know, it's like a fucking... Essentially, it's a it's mud wrestling. 
And it's like, you know, fair enough if they did want to do that. And I'm sure they probably did. And that's fine. But it's just very sort of dated watching yeah, right now. Yeah, it, it feels is. really dated. And it's like, it, I think I think it's genuinely dangerous. You could drown in pudding very easily. It's thick substance. Yeah, that and fucking slip and snap an ankle. Yeah. Easily, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you could. I think it's just a shame that this is the only women's match on the entire card that well that was the state of women's wrestling in wwe for quite some time wasn't at it at the time yeah. yeah so uh not to go on a tangent we'll skip past that because it's, oh well you didn't get the finish it lasted all of three minutes three minutes and it was a, a tap uh basically it was a, a smother or basically like basically she held her head in the pudding nice. so she could so she couldn't breathe and then she, like, slapped the pudding in a tap. Slapping the pudding. That sounds like a euphemism. Uh, I'm sure many WWE fans were slapping the pudding in this one. Um, new champion. Slapping the pudding. Yeah, yeah. Sm- uh, Molina taps. Molina was the champ. Uh, new champion, uh, Candice Michelle. Uh, Riveting and that, and then, stuff. Um, the ref ends up in the pudding. Uh, as does uh, Maria Canellis, who comes out and do a little interview segment. She in the pudding, and then the ladies. Yeah, I mean hug in the pudding. For all of this, you know, me tr- trying to be this sort of you know, <clears throat> new age man, and you know how to find you know this is just degrading sort of attitude. I've kind of got towards it. It looked like fucking fun. Uh, what just like rolling around, fucking in around in pudding? Even yeah. if that was two blokes, you'd be up for that. Uh well, t- I mean, when you say look like fun, you enjoyed watching it because it was two sexy ladies rolling around in pudding. I mean, once or they it looked co- like fun because once they it covered like it looked like 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 a tough mother. It looked like a tough mother. Yeah, it, 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 it. I mean, once they covered in pudding, the sexiness is kind of gone, really. Depends uh, what you're into, but yeah, <laughs> just fully depend on what you're into. Um, but it did it did look like they were having a laugh at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it lasted all of three minutes, thankfully, because it. You know, wasn't well. You, could, you, could, you couldn't do that I for think, much longer, could you? <laughs> I think to sort of bring this back home slightly, it certainly wasn't an ECW match, was it? This isn't in keeping. With uh, there, was, there was a lot of titillation in ECW. Yeah, but they didn't have fucking pudding matches. There was loads of titillation in ECW. Yeah, but they didn't have these gimmicky pu- pudding matches, did they? I've not watched that. I mean, I'll have to look that up. Probably not. No. No. <laughs> And then, so after that, we've got uh, the World Heavyweight title, so an actual WWE title here. Well, it's, the, it's the big gold belt, isn't it? Big, the big gold belt, the, the WCW. One, the W, the classic WCW NWA belt, isn't it? Yeah, the, um, it is, yeah. The one that Flair had and all that. Um, that's what they're going with here. Who Edge is currently the champion, mm-hmm. and he's in a steel cage match against Batista. Batista. Uh, this match lasts all of 15, and 30, 15 minutes and 30 seconds. It was okay. I guess. Um, it was uh, something, probably a little, not... A little thought I had before we get into the actual match itself. You know when Batista came out and he did his... Um, he had all the pyro going off and he did his like turret gun thing, didn't he? So mm-hmm. he like he put, grips both of his hands in front of him and then like shakes about like he's firing like, like a Gatling gun type thing, like a war Gatling gun, doesn't yeah. he? Something I was meaning to bring up when we were covering ECW, I don't know if I ever did. You know Razor used to put his hands in front of himself like he was holding a gun and do his little shaky thing mm-hmm. that he did. Was that, because obviously Razor Ramon was basically Scarface. Yeah. Was he doing, say hello to my little friend? 
Batista or no, no. So Razor was doing his little shaky jumpy thing where yeah. he did to the crowd. If this was video, it would work so much better. So I had the thinking that his Gatling gun thing that he did, where he gripped both of the hands in front of himself, crouched down, and then fired, was inspired by Razor Ramon's Scarface impression, which I perceive to be an impression of Scarface doing say hello to my little friend with his AK. Interesting theory. Quite possibly. I would imagine that... Do you think that Razor <clears throat> was doing an impression of Scarface? Because it's well known that, obviously, he was... A, he was Portraying a Cuban American, oh. I'd buy into that. Yeah, yeah, I'd buy into that because he's heavily, his whole character was heavily inf- influenced by Scarface. Scarface, yeah. yeah. Um, I would imagine that Batista's probably upgraded this, and Batista's there with a Gatling gun, as you say. Yeah, bigger, a bigger, big, big gun. machine gun, just fucking mowing, mowing villagers down. Mowing villagers down bloody hell have you been watching some vietnam films well you know you know what mowing I mean. down villages what have the villagers done why well, not mowing down why not mowing down opposing soldiers but no you've gone straight for fucking genocide well you know uh, mowing down. Oh, he's a face what here as of, well. yeah what kind of person are you trying to say batista is <laughs> he's wiping out a Viet Cong village He's a face here, isn't he? So he's probably not mowing villages down. You know. <laughs> villages? But, you know, he's gone straight for the... ISIS. You know, he's, what, he's, he's taking out ISIS he, all by himself. He's gone straight for the, you know, the fucking big dogs. Whereas I imagine Razor Ramon more had, like, you know, a Tommy gun. Old school sort of throwing him it back. Was, a to- was it a Tommy gun in a Scarface? Or it, wasn't, it wasn't an AK, was it? Uh, I believe it was two machine guns. Because um, he had one in each hand in Scarface. But I imagine... Yeah. Razor Ramon's got more of a Tommy gun sort of thing in his hand, you know, yeah. a little bit more like duty. He's not quite fucking wiping out the entire population. He's just wiping out cartels. Yeah, he's just taking out a few cartels, whereas Batista's there fucking mowing down villages. <laughs> Anyone that gets in his way. Evil villages, obviously. Evil villages, yeah, obviously. Those evil farmers. Uh, <laughs> With that pitchfork. Yeah. They're anyway. no match for my Gatling gun. <laughs> anyway, back into the match. Um, this match I thought actually was pretty. It was okay. I don't think it's the best cage match you'll ever see by any stretch of the imagination. But it was... Character work in it. Yeah, there was a lot of character work in it. It was okay. Um, it's... Yeah, it starts... Edge Edge is very much the chicken shit heel there, isn't he? Yeah, he starts off like that, doesn't he? Yeah. He starts off the first just, thing... Just he... fucking trying to leg it. First thing he does is like, open the cage, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Sort of thing. And the finish is quite... Um, I think the finish could have had a little bit more climax than it did because basically Edge is climbing over the top of the cage. He's working his way down. Batista's all beat up, trying to get himself to the door, dragging himself by his hand sort of thing. It's a race to the floor, basically. It's a race to the floor, and Edge just makes it. But I think it probably could have been a bit closer because Batista was really quite far off getting his feet down. And, you know, Edge just had to drop. So Hard to time that shit, though. They're on different sides of the ring. Yeah, incredibly hard, isn't it? So it's like, it's, you know, who am I to say? But I think what I'm getting at is there's better cage matches out there, but it's not a bad showing, you know, no, for no, a cage match. Fine. It, it, it's, it's fine. fine. It's, there's, there's nothing There's nothing overly offensive. It's just like it. a good a good back and forth. Like, I know we we are we are knobbers. We do always point out the the errors. Yeah, well, that's, you see the, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Um... At one point, uh, Edge goes for a spear and uh, Batista goes for a shoulder block both at the same time. Yeah. And end up just 
crashing into each other shoulder first in the middle of the ring. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's got with her Edge a lot more than it hurt Batista. Yeah, I'd imagine so. <laughs> I mean, Edge is no, no small guy by any stretch of the imagination. Batista's but a fucking animal. B- that's Batista. why they called him the animal. The animal, Batista. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's mowing down fucking villagers. Mowing down villagers, he is a yeah, war criminal, apparently. <laughs> uh. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I think that's a okay match. Heavyweight title match. Uh, Edge does get the win. He does do the chicken shit heel thing, though. He fucks off and doesn't even take his title with him. Yeah, no, I like that. I, I like that. That's just, yeah, I'm getting out of here. And yeah, then so, he's left and he, like, twats it about a bit. Yeah, so Batista's there sort of just staring at the title that says Edge on it, still all defeated and broken about it. And, uh, just Did gutted. you get the lovely shot of um, Edge's thong? You didn't catch that. I must have missed that. So, towards the end of the match, obviously, he goes up for a Batista bomb. And he, like, he pulls down his tights. And um... was you aware that wrestlers wore thongs? Uh, I was. I didn't know all wrestlers wore thongs. Well, but... maybe, maybe not all wrestlers do, but it is a thing. Is it? It is a thing that wrestlers It's not just because he's going out with Lita at this point. Because what, sorry? It's not just because he's going out with Lita at this point. <laughs> Where your missus is. Knickers to work there. Little little throwback, little homage to Lita there. Could, could I'm, be. I'm gonna wear a thong in this match. But um no, apparently it's a thing. It is a thing that no, a really? lot of wrestlers, blokes, men, wear thongs underneath their ring gear. Yeah. I mean you gotta have some. Why not just why not just wear normal under well, not that not normal to wear a thong. Well, bloody hell could be argued, but that's a that's a minefield. I it's not worn for comfort, is it, a thong? Uh, I don't. I've never worn one, so I wouldn't know. Neither have I. Um, um, I imagine it's probably. You'd probably. It's a they lot. They say to keep your balls in place, but surely you can keep your balls in place with briefs or boxers. I imagine baggy boxers underneath small tights, though, probably looks a little. Well, bit... he wears. He wears. Yeah, he wears tights. Yeah. yeah. It's probably just so you don't see his fucking underwear. But I did see his underwear. I saw a man wearing you a thong. Did, you didn't intend. I don't think he intended for you to probably see not. his underwear. Um, I don't know. Fucking hell. Uh, it's just. You know, you do you, Edge. You, you yeah, wear, true. You wear yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Not, not wrong with it. Just wasn't expecting to see it. Maybe I should try wearing a thong. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe we should both try wearing a thong. You can come back with your report to me, mate. Okay, I thought you were going to say while we record. Then I was going to say there's fucking zero point to that. Um, we'll be, we'll get we'll get some cameras installed eventually. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> so the next match is the WWE Heavyweight Title. So not the World Heavyweight Title, the WWE Heavyweight Title. They've got both. This mm-hmm. is pinfalls only. Falls count anywhere. I match. don't know why they specified that. Like, surely, are most falls count anywhere matches submission or DQ? Uh, uh, sub- submission or pinfall? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because they specified pinfalls only. Yeah. Is, oh, it, not more, is, it, not, is it not more to do with Carly not being able to do his head crusher finisher? Um. Maybe. Quite possibly. So it's a little stipulation in Cena's um, favour. Uh, this is... Uh, <laughs> this is 10 hours and 34 minutes long, this match. Uh, uh, no, 10 minutes, 34 seconds. This is a great Carly match, which I've never been a great a great fan of great Carly. Never been even a good fan of great, of great Carly. Or even a fan of great Carly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think... He's a big man. 
Well, he's not a big man. He's a giant. He's a giant. Yeah, he's a giant. A legitimate giant with a legitimate pituitary gland problem with an extra large face and bad knees and misshapen body. But that's not me being mean. That's that's what happens when you have acromegaly. Yeah, so he's he's the great collie. He's there for the spectacle of his size, basically. That's why he's in this yeah. position. Because Vince McMahon loves fucking massive blokes. Um, he's mm. got a, yeah. So it's just I just never really liked, and I just think the great collie as well for his size. He he never really could sell very well. Uh, his moves never looked that devastating or good. Really, I didn't think. No. And this match is just part and parcel of that. They got he the looked answer. like Andre the Giant towards the end. Whereas, yeah. granted, I've not really seen much of our early Andre because it's harder to find. Yeah. But apparently, back in the day, Andre was doing drop kicks and all sorts. Yeah. Back in the day, when he got to WWE, he wasn't very mobile, <laughs> unfortunately. But he was already a star. Yeah. Whereas they just kind of put Carly in the spot because he was a giant. Mm-hmm. Which, don't get me wrong, like WWE professional wrestling always very much had that circus vibe yeah Re- pro wrestling always has like pro wrestling has come from the circus originally mm-hmm. big part of the circus was the sideshow yeah who was in the sideshow the midgets the bearded ladies the giants yeah the Siamese twins none of these terms are terms that I'd use these days obviously no. but that is where pro wrestling originated from so you can see you can see why he's there people they always call it it's an attraction. Well, this is the sort of stuff that Vince McMahon would have grown up watching. Yeah, very much so in the 60s and 70s. Yes. Very much so. Um, so you can see why he's there. Just I think in terms of this match, like Cena's having to put a lot of work in to sort of make Carly look remotely devastating. Yeah. Um, and I think Cena's very much the wrestler here and Carly's very much the attraction. The attraction, yeah. Um, sort of thing. And it's just not a very good match and not a very good end to a... What I would say was a very mediocre pay-per-view. That he couldn't move then, like Carly yeah. in yeah. this match. So this match is 2007. This is 12 years ago. So yeah. uh, he was 34. So young man, age I am now. Yeah. He couldn't I mean. It's kind of not his fault because he had gigantism. Yeah. But he couldn't move. He had the knees of Terry Funk. Yeah. Terry Funk now. He's... Yeah. You know what I mean? He could not move hardly. No, and I think, I mean, there's got to be a, I'm sure he was being paid handsomely. Yeah. But there's got to be a human factor in there. Like, is this the fucking best thing for this guy to be doing? Do you know that Carly is now 46? Wow. Do you know know what age Andre the Giant was when he died? 46? 46. Wow. Well, I mean... Giants don't live very long. No, they don't, which is obviously a shame because we're not saying that he's like... A bad person, or the fact that he's, you know, he is a giant. Is anything negative about being in wrestling like that? I mean, look at the big shows. Obviously, a sort of a giant as well, and mm-hmm. it's like, but big I just, show could work ten times more. Yeah, than Yeah, but I think could, that's the big difference between Carly and all the other giants, as you say. Is like he couldn't really work because of all of his conditions. He couldn't really work that well. Yeah, he was only there as sort of a spectacle. I don't believe you. You know, much of an athletic background as such as far as i know from what i read in my research which consisted of reading his wikipedia page um basically he was in he grew up in some small province in india uh he did odd jobs 
Um, he was a policeman. Then he was a wrestler. You would not want to get arrested by a great colleague. Fuck me. No, no, you wouldn't, no. But, like, majority of other giants at least had a background in, like, basketball or whatever. Yeah. So, had to be athletic. Yeah. Whereas, Whereas he was just a big giant man yeah. who looked scary. Yeah, of course. But, you know, he made his living for a bit and um, apparently even has a wrestling school. Yeah, apparently he's done really good things in India since leaving WWE. Oh, well. he's a superstar in India. He's a superstar, but he's done really good things for charity and things like that. Really? Um, this is yeah, but this is not a knock at his character. He's done loads of great things for the 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 country of India and his heritage and things like that. But I just think this is sort of this is a point where you look at it and it's like a, in a in a way a sad state of wrestling when you see someone like this being sort of put on show. Uh, the main event. And the main no event, less. <laughs> the main event, no less. And Cena's really having to put the work in to make Carly look even remotely devastating. And um, yeah. it's a sort of a, a shame of an end. It's to It's an a, anti-climax to it is. a Cena, half decent show. C- Cena wins with a uh, FU, as it was called back then, not yeah. the attitude adjustment, off this, off some sort of like a digger kind of platform. Yeah, onto a. Uh, Didn't even see where he landed. He landed. Didn't even shoot where. Did did they didn't even shoot where he landed? Did they? They, they did shoot it when he was getting the pin. Um, it looked at first when they, you, they didn't show him landing, and I suspect that because he was he landed on something that appeared to be very padded, you know, thankfully, but it did it was made out to look like the floor. But one thing I did pick up on is when Cena jumped down, it looked very bouncy. You know what I mean? So it's like he's he's, he's obviously landed on some padding, which, uh, you know, I'm not saying like you know throw him on the fucking concrete. Obviously, that's good, but you can see why they didn't shoot it from that angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, bit of a down point to the end of a half decent pay per view. It is, it is a bit of a down point. But and, uh, what do you call it? A half decent pay per view? You uh, don't have to fucking give it a Meltzer rating, but if you had to describe it in, you know, a couple of adjectives. Mm. Good, bad, half good, half decent, shit, <sighs> wank, amazing. Depends what sort of like sort of what sort of parameters you're putting on this well for an easy Eng- the english language <laughs> for an ecw show yeah this is horrific but it's not an ecw show it's wwe it's one pre- night stand extreme rules but it's presented as an ecw is show. it yeah they've got the ecw set and all that sort of stuff it is it, so it's easy it's wwe ecw at this point fully so but, the, but, it, but it's not though i mean i could fucking get my point across sorry uh, mate sorry sorry um, love you so so it it is an ECW presented show because it's the ECW brand, and if you're if you're rating it on that sort of stuff, because okay. that's what it is. It's the WWE's ECW brand. Yeah, the SmackDown, but there's, why the why are the people dressed in blue SmackDown shirts? Exactly. So if you're reviewing it on those parameters, it is terrible. As right. a WWE show, hmm. I'd say it's got a couple of good matches, so it's half good, maybe a quarter good. Um, as a general wrestling show, I'd say it's probably your overall pretty bad, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, um, some, some fair, fair to middling, as they say. Yeah, fair to middling, and I think we're being quite generous. I think because it is, it's coming off the back of the two one night stands. What like were more homages to the actual ECW product. Mm. This is definitely the best match. Was probably the first match. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Which well, should have been the closer. <laughs> yeah, just a side note to keep this professional. I don't suppose you've got a, <laughs> keep this professional. I don't suppose you've got a can going there, have you? Um. Yes. Oh, thank you. My last can. Oh, look at that! What a generous man. Mm. Just to wrap the show up. Are you sure? Is this okay? 
Yeah, it's fine. Go on, we'll open them together. We'll toast to sign off. How about that? Yeah. Well, we got, I thought we were going to toast and then like review the show a little bit, a review or talk a little bit more. Open your beer, dickhead. That went everywhere, Austin's 316 style. But I actually, I swallow, unlike Austin. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> anyway. I do spill quite a bit of it, though. So, is this the final show in this Hindsight 2020 series? No. We've got one more, one haven't more. we? Yeah. One more. What, like I said, I've ne- I'd never seen... I'd watched the other two. Like I said, I wasn't watching weekly at this time. It's um, interesting how you go through those phases, isn't it? Yeah. In but like I say, 10, 12 years ago, you couldn't just watch catch-up whenever you wanted, could you? No, you couldn't. You had to sit through the full fucking product. Yeah. Which and I've, n- I've, I've never had Sky... No, which so, at, um, at the time was very hard to do um, when it was this bad. Um, so this is, I think this is, where about it? This is the end of the Ruthless Aggression era, isn't it? Uh, 07, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, and the Ruthless Aggression era, I think, had a lot of better wrestling in it than even the Attitude Era did, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And they had some great shows across the WWE product. And I think they really sort of, some ways pushed it a bit too far trying to introduce this ECW brand but then also with introducing the ECW brand into the Ruthless Aggression era sort of shit the bed a little bit by essentially creating a watered down very corporate very insincere version of a product that so many people loved for so long you know it, it just wasn't the same it's like you know it's like seeing i don't know for lack of a better comparison it would be like seeing nirvana play you know a v festival you know it'd be like seeing nirvana do an entire oh, that's a nice comparison actually <laughs> yeah it, it, it'd be like seeing nirvana do like a, a dance album you know what i mean it'd be a very very just not what it was all about sort of thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh Whereas they should have just killed themselves at 27 like Kurt did. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think for, you know, I wasn't mean to make that grim of a comparison. Uh, or that... Is it better to burn out or fade away or come back later and piss on your own legacy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did neither, did I they? mean, that was a very harsh thing to say, and I grew up a Nirvana fan, but like yeah. I was trying to make a point. I'm still a huge Nirvana fan, but yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean... It... I mean, I didn't really mean to make that comparison about like burning out completely. I just meant like something that was sort of meant so much to so many people for so many, for certain reasons, not just so many reasons, but certain reasons about it being independent, about it being hardcore, about it being an alternative to this mainstream product that was WWE. And then having that mainstream product, WWE, put out a really, really watered down as I said, insincere, just borderline unwatchable version of it at times is like, you know, to a lot of people would be like sacrilege. It's like you've just taken uh, something special and made it fucking terrible. And not only that, it was was done by the guys who we were fighting against for so long. Yeah. But unfortunately, in the end, most of the time, capitalism and the millionaires win. Yeah. Indeed, which is probably what's happened here. Um, so that pretty much wraps up that episode of One Night Stand 2007. We're going to cover the One Night Stand 2008 after this. I really going to be dredging the fucking. <laughs> I've, I've also never seen it. I think it's. 
a shame that we've ended on such a, that we're probably I mean I've never seen it so maybe I've heard a lot about I've never watched it myself yeah uh, I've never seen I it have, so I've good. heard a lot about I've, it's widely regarded as a terrible pay-per-view as far as I know Jesus we'll, we'll, we'll approach it with an open mind obviously um, I think it's like it's going to be inter- it's going to be interesting I think it's disappointing that we're going to end this series of hindsight 2020 on a negative note because with the WCW stuff, we ended on a high note because Hog Wild, I thought was ace. Yeah, you know, and it was like sort of, but that was in that was in the middle of something. You know what I mean? That was right in the middle, or right. Well, the... That was in the middle of uh, uh, one of the most important times. Yeah, in where, pro wrestling where where this is probably even WWE's ECW One Night Stand two thousand and five. Yeah, that was after something very very important. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's a shame that they obviously, they only got worse. You know, they did two is the ECW banner mm-hmm. or the ECW homages under that ECW no, banner. No, they were, they were, yeah, yeah. And then they've done two, which are, were the WWE's version of One Night Stand. Yeah. I mean, if they'd just called them Extreme Rules, Nick, we wouldn't have to be sitting here fucking talking about them. This it, is true, but it was them. called One Night Stand Extreme Rules. So. Yeah, so... That's the way it's. Do you think it's quite? I think I'd, I'd, in the history of wrestling, though, I do think find it quite interesting that this was sort of the birth of Extreme Rules as it is now. Yeah. Because this, these are the matches that were on this card are very much like the Extreme Rules gimmick matches. Gimmick matches that they yeah. have now, which is like, I don't know when the, you th- you say those words Extreme Rules, people like us, those hardcore fans of hardcore wrestling. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of a, a bee in your bonnet about it, don't you? Because you're like, what's well, not fucking extreme? Well, we'll see tonight. I mean, um, as I've, as I mentioned before, tonight is is Extreme Rules 2019. Um, I'm actually for the first time in a while gonna because I'm off work for two weeks. Uh, I'm actually gonna stay up to watch it for the first time in a while. I don't stay up to watch wrestling that much anymore. Being a UK fan, obviously, it's on after clock in the morning. But I'm not in work tomorrow. So I'm actually staying up tonight, and I'm actually, I'm actually quite hopeful for Extreme Rules tonight. Now that we've got obviously Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff at the helm. Indeed, Eric Bischoff apparently is not quite at the helm yet, though. Oh, he has come out and said that he is going to need to learn a lot and take a lot of mentoring before he actually becomes fully involved. In mentoring the... at his age. Yeah, it's got to be sixty odd. But he said he's going to need to learn a lot and take a lot of... Fair play, though. Great attitude. ...mentoring before he becomes part of that WWE creative team. It's been a while since he's had a role like that, hasn't it? exactly. Very long time. Paul Heyman's just fucking sleeves up straight in, right, let's see what the fuck we can do Hmm. and let's fuck shit up sort Hmm. of thing. Did you see... Obviously, we're going to another little tangent here, but... It's what we do. Yeah, it's what we do. Did you see the Raw after the first Raw that Heyman did? Highlights didn't, like I said, don't generally watch Raw in its entirety. Yeah, I only saw the highlights as well, but uh, saw the highlights, seen the reviews, and it's quite good. Mm. Yeah, it, was, it, it was quite good. The one they did after that didn't look as impressive, but the first one was he he, he made quite the impact. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out, because this is obviously them responding to the very obvious, and is it, it, it's frustrating that they needed AEW to show them <laughs> the very obvious amount of fans that want that kind of content, mm-hmm. you know, where they've changed their rating to TV14 instead of TVPG. As of now? 
as of two weeks ago. Is it? Yeah, WWE is now rated TV 14. That's why you get commentators like... um, I didn't actually know that. Oh, so this will be the first TV 14 pay-per-view then? I believe so, Well, you know, (laughs) network streaming 14, but... Yeah, we, we, we've we've a likelihood of a bit more of a bit more adult content tonight, basically. Yeah, well, Corey Graves when um, I know Corey Graves said shit. Yeah, he said holy shit. Kofi Kofi Kingston giving someone the middle finger. I don't think we're going to see any sort of blade jobs or anything. I'd be very surprised mm. by that. But it's definitely heading back towards that you know air quotes edgier content. Ooh, that should make tonight. I mean, I did. I knew that kind of. Feeling was in the pipeline. I didn't know it was t- officially TV 14 now. Yep, the last two rows have been TV 14. That's why you got a lot more like sort of Interesting. This is interesting because uh, I mentioned it before. I've got a co-worker who's got um, a young autistic daughter who I talk wrestling with at work. I'd like... And I get a, I get a perspective on wrestling that, speaking to him that I don't get from most of my mates I speak wrestling with. I get a different perspective. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear the opinion of the other type of fan. Is his perspective much more of a, fa- uh, a sort of a a younger perspective? Um, well, he talks about it from the perspective of how much he, he, his his young daughter enjoys it. Hmm. Um, he does enjoy it himself as well, but I think he I think he does appreciate the athleticism and whatnot. But I don't think he grew up watching it. He's he's a bit he's a few years older than me, but that's nothing to do with anything. He don't think he grew up watching wrestling, as far as I know, as yeah. far as I can tell. But he does enjoy watching it. But I think he's a big fan of the big uh, big characters and whatnot. Like he's a massive Ron Strowman fan. Yeah, for example. And it'd be interesting to see if this does go down more the route of a more attitude era esque. Store um product. It'd be interesting to hear the point of view of this man and his young daughter. Yeah, that would be interesting because, like, because it's like I don't how... know if it's applicable, but like I said, she's a she's an autistic young girl. Mm. I wonder if it'll put her off. I don't because know because she like for so for example, the, the, I don't know fuck all about autism, but like I know the emotions are heightened. Could we we could say that I suppose. In some cases, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, like, apparently when wrestlers that she really likes get in jeopardy storyline-wise, she can get quite worked up about it. It means a lot to her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if she sees her favourite wrestler genuinely get put in jeopardy or seemingly get put in more jeopardy... Yeah. Well, how, could that that, could, how, how, how she would take that? I suppose it puts it... What's really good about that is that it really puts it into perspective how sort of as wrestling fans or fans of anything really you can be selfish as to thinking that you're the only person that gets enjoyment from it therefore it should cater to you yeah that's kind of our attitude a little bit really isn't it it is isn't it It, of course it is i try to think of everybody but yeah so do i but like in terms of like this podcast you can't do that because otherwise you're just going to be a sit on the fence motherfucker yeah you know what i mean whereas like you've really got so with ours when you're doing a podcast or anything like that you have to take the the opinion that you have yourself and sort of run with that just to sort of criti- criticize, praise, and, you know, look at things. If you looked at it from everyone's perspective, it wouldn't really work. But it's interesting to sort of think about and put light on the fact that, you know, wrestling and the content that's out there just it isn't specifically for you. They're, no. ca- they're catering to a huge audience with a variety of people there. Yes. So when you get these people who are 18 to 35-year-old males... 
still there, just which about. We're in. Yeah, some of us, some of us more in it than others. But um, <laughs> that's the V's, give, by the way, motherfucker. He's just give me the, just give me the fingers. Uh, some of it more in it than others. But you know, joking aside, at the end of the day, those eighteen to twenty, those eighteen to thirty-five year old males that we are, and that are the more vocal of the wrestling fans. Yeah, they're not the only wrestling fans. They're not the only people buying T-shirts. They're not the only people watching the product on TV or the network. So they do have to sort of cater for everyone. And it will be interesting to see, like you know, how that does affect a certain audience. And I know a lot of people out there going, "Well, I don't fucking care. It's there's more blood. You know, it's like more swearing. It's just like this. I love it." Well, it's 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 um it's a monolith. It's a beast. It's massive. It's bigger than us smart ass cunts with microphones. Yeah, of course. Hundred percent. I mean the the wrestling in general is such a fucking uh a it's an escapism for so many people. Um it's an escapism for people like us who have basically very limited and very small problems in life. Yeah. As most people, but it's an escapism for people with much bigger problems and much like more serious things going on. And you know, if I think it's a hard thing to think about that their product changing could affect anyone that is in those things and you know they're like oh I don't like this anymore you know I used to love it but I don't like it anymore and it's mm. just like why don't you like it anymore they change it why did they change it because a load of fucking smart asses with microphones were whinging the fucking tits off that they didn't see enough fucking blood anymore mm. you know what I mean or it wasn't edgy enough anymore um, but then- I'm sure but, but I'm sure they've got whole teams of creative and marketing people out there helping them surf that line exactly which and is plus it. wwe has raw smackdown 205 live nxt nxt uk yeah and they can all interchange they're even putting out other people's content now they, they just put out evolves 10th anniversary show last night yeah so what there's they, they are trying to cater to everybody they are trying to cater everyone. I think it's a damn shame that like people, you know, I'm just I'm just fucking you know promoing promoing on ourselves now against <laughs> us. But it's a damn shame that people like me and you sit here and complain about how bad Raw is when you. Can I don't st- complain about how bad Raw is. I just don't have time to watch it all. Yeah, but yeah, people. Well, like, sometimes I do. People like us. I mean, because I don't complain about Raw either. Because I also because you don't watch it. I don't. I don't really watch it from end to end. But people like us complain about that sort of stuff. But then it's just like, well, watch something else. Watch fucking NXT then. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's a product there for you. And it's like, but I want it on the main. And like, but Raw is shit. It's like, well, it's not for you. You know, maybe, not just for you. Yeah, no. Maybe it's not just for you. Maybe it's maybe you're not the only audience. There's that many there. wrestlers, and there's that many different, and there's that many fans that it's impossible to get every wrestler having the amount of exposure that every person wants it's not physically feasible no especially i think that's probably this is something that's in wwe's wwe's detriment in a way which i think is probably why aw is going to be good for the industry is there is a lot of wrestlers now that are really popular and fucking loads of them loads of them are on wwe and because Mm -hmm. of the way the internet is and everyone can sort of find their favorite wrestler see every match they've ever done all the time, no matter how big or how small that wrestler is, and then they have a voice of like, that guy should be on the, that guy should be bigger, that should, and it's just like, not everyone can be on the fucking main event. No. 
And that is sometimes, it's it kind of, even before I started thinking about this sole thing, I was just thinking about then how wrestling isn't just for me. Mm-hmm. It isn't just for my demographic. Even before I started thinking down that, it's something that's always pissed me off is like people say like, oh, well, he's it's just like, not everyone can be though. You know what I mean? Like this guy should be on top. It's just like, not everyone can be that. If everyone was able to do that, it wouldn't be the same. And yes, it's a shame you get like sort of bigger names and, you know, more accomplished and more uh, sort of popular and, you know, quote unquote, really, really, really fucking good wrestlers aren't there. Yeah, that's a big shame. But at the end of the day, they can't all be there. No, they can't. And you but can... the, the, it's something that the, the, they are playing with currently, though, isn't it? Yeah. And you like, can. Did you see the, um, obviously, the Kevin Owens thing, which the, is, you know, his pipe bomb, if you like, on Raw last week? I didn't know. You didn't know. Well, basically, he did um, basically uh, an a homage or whatever. It's similar to the CM Punk pipe bomb. Basically, they cut his mic and whatnot. But he's there and he starts does, does a quite impassioned, quite yeah, passionate promo on Shane O'Mac saying, "You're getting far too much television time. Like you're taking television time away from the likes of um, uh, Apollo Cruz, this person, that person." And all you're doing is you're just taking time away. People don't want to see it. All this kind of stuff, and the, the kind of they are being very meta with it. There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, exactly. That's so, why it's that's why it's a quote, least, quote unquote pipe bomb. And I mean, he's going to have been given the okay to do that, I imagine. So at least, ob- ob- obviously, at least, <laughs> at least they're self-aware. Um, yeah. And I suppose, in a lot of ways, to play devil's advocate, you know, as you say with your uh, work friend's daughter and stuff. It's a bit of a shame if they do go down that sort of TV 14 more hardcore route just to compete with AEW because why does everything have to be a competition? Why can't AEW just be... Do they al- do their thing. They do their thing. Yeah, just be an alternative, yeah. Yeah. You know, if you like all that stuff. I, I have it's no- not even an alternative. I'm going to watch as much of everything as I can, as I have time yeah, to. Yeah, ex- exactly. And it's not even like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you just have to say it yourself, like, just because you don't like Raw or SmackDown or WWE pay-per-views doesn't mean you have to shit all over them. Go and watch AEW. And I probably will. When AEW go to their weekly programming, I'm going to watch that and I'm going to follow that because that's what I'm into. But that's, I'm not saying because I'm doing that, I don't think the other things should exist. I think it should because it's there for a certain audience. And if I want to go and watch WWE, I'm going to watch some of the pay-per-views. I'll probably bring them up in a podcast and shit all over them and tell them how crap they are because <laughs> that's just the way I am. But I don't think it shouldn't exist. No. There should be many tools for many different people. Yeah. I've always, I've always said it. Wrestling can be everything and 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 anything and for everybody. Exactly. To, there's 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 so many different things that wrestling can be. Indeed. When yeah. you look at, I mean, I need to get into a little bit more of it, but like Shikara and DDT, and then you've got CZW, and then you've got Progress, and then you've got WWE, and then you've got AEW, and then you've got. All the G- GC- GCW, they do the Josh Barnett's Bloodsport work shoots. Uh, Stardom, you, you've got everything. All the independents from all the countries you want. You've got ICW in Scotland, well, you can go and watch every- that. A- 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 anything and everything. It's a, a-, a cavalcade. It's a-, a-, a plethora of everything and anything. And it's all out there. And it's not hard to find, really. Yeah, I think a takeaway, a good way to wrap up this podcast would be to say that just because it's not for you doesn't mean it shouldn't exist. Yeah. But at the same time, ECW One Night Stand 2007 was fucking terrible. But it wasn't ECW, so it's okay. Yeah, anyway, so on that bombshell, we'll catch you on the next time. 
where we'll be reviewing ECW One Night Stand 2008. We'll just call it One Night Stand 08. Yeah, One Night Stand 2008. After that, we're going to have a brand new series for you called Horrible History. Um, oh, we did. I, I was going to say we don't. We did actually discuss this, didn't we? Yes, yeah. we did. So we're going to be doing Horrible History. We're going to be covering the likes of the history of hardcore wrestling, the history of lucha wrestling, the history of Japanese wrestling, things like that. Um, those, those will be an elongated series, uh, yeah. a little bit of a different of a change of pace. We're going to probably have to do a lot more fucking research. and uh, Yeah, yeah, probably a lot less opinion-based stuff. It's going to be a lot of reading, a lot of watching. Yeah, but... But we'll go off on tangents. We'll we'll, 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 we'll do our thing. We'll throw our two cents in. Uh, but thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to catch us, please check us out on Spotify. We are the Fabulous Heel Nerds. Um, same on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, all the places you find us. You can catch us on the Arometa Network where you can catch up on all of our older episodes as well when we were canned heat. There's a throwback. Um, and also hit us up on Twitter at Fab Heel Nerds. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time. See you later.